Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me tonight, my senior editor, Jude Seabor. And no Brendan tonight. Brendan is under the weather just a wee bit. Uh, so he's going to take the night off. But I think Jude and I got this on box. And, and I think we're, we got a special guest tonight, uh, Jack Valor. Uh, OFD Recruiting Insider uh, might join us later. So, Jude, what's up, buddy? Hey, um, I, I literally just uh, checked Twitter to see if I missed anything. Um, oh, you saw a, it. You know, sort of you a busy day and, and saw saw Brian Kelly spinning in a... <laughs> look like I felt bad for all my friends that, have, that are sensitive to uh, prone to having seizures with all those uh, the lights. <laughs> I, I'm not sure that's... that's healthy for a 60 year old man to be on a spinning platform with uh, strobe lights. But uh, I feel bad for all of I, us that have defended him over the last decade. <laughs> oh no. I just, you know, I, I saw literally everybody make the same exact joke, which was how do you do fellow kids? Um, the Steve yeah. Buscemi. Yeah. So I, um, I, you know, I actually, I actually looked at that more critically than cringy. And just like, was thinking like, what if Kelly would have done this with like Buckner? You know what I'm saying? Like, how yeah, would just, I have it, viewed that? How would so I have viewed that? It, it, it's so funny because I feel like this this is like LSU dragging Kelly to do this stuff. There's no way Kelly would have said, I, I just don't, I don't know, maybe I don't know him, but there, I just don't feel like there's any way Kelly would have said, you know what we need? Turntable and strobe lights. And their name's like, yes. I mean, their name definitely screws around with with strobes and, and different lighting effects and stuff like that. But I just well, getting what I, what Brian Kelly going involved is, in this stuff is just. I mean, what I think is going on is Kelly's just like he's all in because he because ha- he absolutely has to be uh, for a variety of reasons. Let alone he's just he's the fucking head football coach and just took over. He has to be all in. It's like Kelly being involved in the fucking freak base video. 
he doesn't know. He just got there. He's he's getting right. thrown right. into this. He's he's jumping in uh, with both feet. But I just kind of uh, I just kind of thought you know like we would all be like be like don't lie to yourselves if 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 this was Brian Kelly doing this with a Notre Dame if he was still the head coach of Notre Dame with a recruit we'd be eating it up think it was just the funniest cool cool little fun thing yeah it's cringy but we would have we would have found a way to like make it like lighthearted and and fun and it's just it's funny the fan reaction and I get it and I'm with you and I'm making jokes too but it's just like. Wow, things have got strange over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> things like really strange. things have definitely gotten strange. Um, you know, again, I'm I, I feel like it's better for my mental health if I try not to like ask myself what Brian Kelly's doing every day, but it tends to be in my feed pretty much every day. It just day, shows so. up on the timeline. <laughs> yeah, I just um, you know, I guess we're not ready to uh, to let go yet, which is fine. Um, I'm not, I'm not, um, slagging on anybody who's still kind of like dunking on Brian Kelly. I just, um, no, dunk away. Dunk away. Yeah. I'm just, By the way, uh, we, we won't, we won't talk about it except for right now, but Notre Dame basketball beating number 10, Kentucky. Uh, that was dope. That's all I want to say. It was dope. Good for them. I, yes. Yeah, so them off. <laughs> off. I, and I was supposed I to be at that game with my kids. Carrie was oh, wow. like, you need to take them to a game, blah, blah, blah. She's like, how about this date? And I'm like, wait a minute. That's, that's Kentucky. I think. And I looked, I'm like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not taking them to that bloodbath. No fucking way. Like we got other things we can be doing. Hmm. So, so I have this, um, I have this hang up where I don't like watching Notre Dame in sports. I don't typically watch them in because I feel like I'm a curse. And I felt like this was uh, proven the other night when I tuned into the college cup right at the end of the second overtime. <laughs> and, I did that too. And then I was like, damn it. I shouldn't have tuned in. Like, you know, like <laughs> gods know that I don't watch men's soccer and they're punishing my team, you know? And so I saw that basketball thing going on and I was like, you know what? I, I just, I can't like it. They're not going to win if I tune in. <laughs> and I think that sounds ridiculous saying it out loud, but that's uh, basically how I feel. So well, it was a, it was a glorious like 33 seconds. Uh, I think Notre Dame got the ball at 33 seconds left in the game. Was tied. Black Wesley, freshman, amazing, knocks in a jumper with 11 seconds left. Kentucky goes down. Cormac Ryan hustled his ass down there. Uh, kind of made it a tough shot. Gets the rebound. Hits hits Wesley. Wesley hits Dane Goodwin. Goodwin dunks that motherfucker right as the buzzer goes off. Get you that four point win. Notre Dame was a five point, four point underdog in this game, which seemed ridiculous to me at the time. Like this should be like twelve points. <laughs> I mean, not really, but I mean, I just I Notre Dame has just been so bad this year, so bad that I didn't see any hope, and uh, they proved us wrong. So awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. <laughs> yeah, the soccer thing sucked, and I listen. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably already know I don't have a soccer writer at one foot down. Like I, I think someone on the staff was supposed to, and they never did. And I just, I'm not cracking the whip or anything like that. So I'm not, I can't, I can't do it all folks. I can't, I just can't. And I don't follow soccer enough to like even be remotely credible or even fun to read about it. And I realized they were in the, the semifinals and if they would have gone to the finals, I, I'm sure there would have been content up on, on OFD, I, I I had already made that decision, but people were like sending me shit, like why aren't you? I'm like, when's the last time you seen a soccer article on this article on this <laughs> on this website? Like yeah. seriously, 
uh, I was getting bad vibes from soccer. I got bad vibes for making fun of cops (laughs) that that are standing in front of $73. Uh, Oh my God. (laughs) Did you see, did you see that tweet? That picture was crazy. The, The bag full of stems. The bag full of stems was like, what? Are, what are we even doing here? The 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 unopened glad uh, sandwich bags <laughs> like, from Dollar General for <laughs> and like seventy three dollars in cash. I'm so I'm so glad we got this monster off the streets. I, I sat there and counted it because I was like, there's just no way there's hundred bucks here. And I was like twenty, <laughs> thirty, forty. And I'm like now into the ones. I'm like, are you serious right now? I'm just I don't even understand. <laughs> It was it was really bad. Uh, yeah, I got that was, some, a, that was a multi-agency. Some part of that. I looked I looked that up. That's a that was a multi-agency effort. Can you think about all of the 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 time that went into that bust? Oh my god, for weed. Oh my yeah. god, yeah. It's just and, I, and that was it. Someone's like, well, that's illegal. It's not the cops' fault. Like, I get that. I understand. I understand real life. But just because it's illegal. And they made the bust. They went and bragged about it, <laughs> about getting some weed and seventy-three bucks off it, and the, and a couple of guns. I mean, well, I was, thought. I looked at the story. I looked at the. I looked at. I looked, when I looked at the story, it said the 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 caption on the picture said, "Police pose with some of their haul from the recent bust." And I thought, if this is the word they willing to put in the picture, you know. Oh my God. That just, it was funny. It was, it was a funny, funny time. Oh yeah. All right. Well, speaking of funny and fun and, and people reviewing what we're doing, I got some reviews here, Jude. Uh, Let's see here. Just remind everybody, get on over to Apple podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review. Every review that you leave, I will read on the next OFT podcast. And I got a bunch of them tonight and they are all five stars. So I really appreciate that. Uh, thank you very much. Thank that, you. That, that is great, but we got a lot. So let's get, let's get on into it. Uh, so this one from Pat Kilcline with the BK era over rank is following quarterbacks, cone book, Wimbush, Kaiser, Golson, Reese, who is a better college quarterback Go And then the second part of this whole thing was who was a better college quarterback, Golson or Reese go Irish. Oh, all right. Rank those, Jude. What's your ranking there? All right. So Cone, book, book is number Bush, one. Kaiser. Who? Kaiser's no, book is number one. Kaiser's number two. Um, I agree. And then it's like Golson versus Reese and, and Wimbush and Cone, right? <sighs> Jay, I might put Cone, I mean, I gotta, I might put Cone at three. Maybe I put Cone at three. I think I can go to Everett three, Cone four. Yeah. Is that what you're doing? Everett Reed. three, Cone four? I'm going to put Cone three, yeah. Everett four. I, I hate, and I'm going to put, then I'm going to go Reese Winbush. Yeah, Reese Winbush, yep. 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 And look, I, I, I mean, I would love to put Tommy a little higher. Uh, and we'll get, we'll get to like uh, our, our Tommy Reese swoon uh, here in a bit, but um but he said it. <laughs> he he did he wouldn't want him as a quarterback either. So, but uh, hell of a guy. But that's a good. I think that's a. I think that's the right order. You have the winningest quarterback in Notre Dame history, Ian Book. I know a lot of people would would, would rather have Kaiser, and I get that. Kaiser should have came back. Absolutely should have came back. 
uh, for uh, 2016 and or excuse me 2017, and then I don't think this is much of a debate. Um, yeah, okay, that works. Uh, then I think we answered that right. Who's a better college quarterback, Golson or Rees? Yeah, Golson. Yeah, Golson. I mean, yeah, Rees was Tommy the closer was, per se. Tommy but, was a winner. I mean, he certainly was a winner. But and I think I will tug at the heartstrings of many out there. When Golson was fucking on, Golson was on. Strong arm, accurate, mobile as fuck. When he held on to the football. <laughs> so I mean, I'd say that he was that say he was great, but between the two, uh, you, you're taking Golson. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's too crazy. Uh, all right, moving on here to from uh, everything is awesome from Warnick seven thirty six. Brady Quinn was awesome. Father John Jenkins was awesome. Swarbrick was awesome. Sweet baby Kyle and Kyron Williams playing the Fiesta Bowl is awesome. Ugh. This was this Oops. was left on Wednesday by the by the way. Uh, <laughs> cheerleaders in the band were awesome. Salvatore's gas station pizza is awesome. OFD is awesome. Everything is awesome except Jude's dumb take. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Which one, <laughs> Jude? I don't know if you you're you took a lot of heat for your lack of uh, enthusiasm over uh, the Marcus Freeman announcement. Uh, fair enough. Maybe you yeah, didn't I knew see I was it. Take some heat on that. But I saw every bit of it, and it was hot. <laughs> I was like, "Oh Lord!" So, you, I, as I have, I didn't as it has see happened it. to be I many times, I'm going to get rolled in these comments. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought people, more people would tag me. I, I didn't see a lot of hate, and I was expecting it the next day. So, oh, you got it. They just, yeah, they didn't tag it. They didn't tag you, but there was a lot of it. <laughs> I would say eight. Uh, wet blanket was it was a common commonly used phrase. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> that's a, I, I mean, mean, I am the Debbie Downer of this podcast, so you are, you are. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've. I've been there. I, I know how. I know, I know how it takes to get uh, get rolled on your takes for uh, for a week or two. Uh, next one here from KJ Seven Goat. Uh, Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Uh, love the real. <clears throat> this is a long ass one. Love the realness from you dudes. If you need to smile, this is my ND podcast of choice, especially the raspy voice one. Name escapes me now. Hi, my name is Joshua. Uh, <laughs> using, <laughs> using this as my chance to ask questions here. Did you guys hear the Chris Storch podcast with legends Tim Brown, Joe Theismann, The Rock, and others about Kelly Bailing? So dope. Seeing all those legends together, but they said former players are celebrated at other major football schools being on the sidelines. And these dudes talked about how ND doesn't really do that and the problems, hassles with visiting campus. Thoughts? Uh, I'm going to, I'll stop right there. We'll, I mean, number one, I only heard like snippets uh, of, of what they were saying. And it doesn't, it doesn't shock me. I think that. Notre Dame, like many big schools, has a lot of big name alumni, and I think that's a hard juggle on some weekends. Like, say it's a big, say it's a big recruiting weekend, all right? Because that's going to be a big game, like USC. Then you got all these big name guys coming in. Like, yeah, you want them around, but that is just a lot of fucking juggling. It's a lot of people on the sidelines. You're still trying to win a football game. I'm not exactly sure what reasonings were used. Uh, 
you know, for what kind of hoops they had to jump through or whatever it is. Um, I would hope that that gets resolved or gets a little better down the road, but without knowing exact specifics, I really can't speak too much on it other than to say that I like my big name alumni guys being close to the program. That's, it's never a bad thing. Um, well, at least the Notre Dame's case, maybe in the other school's case, maybe it is because it's somebody you don't want there. <laughs> but uh, Jude, you got any thoughts on that at all? I mean, do the kids know even even know who like Jerome Bettis is? And I mean, I, I, I can doubt they would I know think, who Tony Rice is, right? And like, I, I probably not sure. Tony Rice. They probably do Bettis. Pat Terrell. Pat Terrell, they're not going to know. Yeah. Rocket, maybe. Maybe. Just, just, just because of what Notre Dame selling. And people are listening to this thinking I'm, we're crazy. But dude, these guys are, I don't know the guys that played in the seventies. Right. Like, no, I'm so, yeah. I, right. I was born in 78. I, I could, yeah. But like Walt Paluski, the number this. one, the number one NFL draft pick in 1972 walked past you. Would you be like, Oh my God, I can't believe I just saw Walt Paluski. Like you just be yeah, like in, in 19, in 1995, that would not have phased me one bit when I yeah. my senior year in high school, but just whatever. Now, Timmy Brown, I know, you know, he was only about eight, nine years apart. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. I mean, it's just, it's, you hope it gets better because you don't like any kind of uh, um, animosity between former players and the uh, university. I just don't know what is all involved there is all. Um, Continuing on, one player on there played played for BK at Grand Valley and said he doesn't even recognize modern BK says a lot. Also Tom Lemming uh, on there said Kelly was a big golfer and, and he said, she'll be a good golfer and I'll show you a bad recruiter. Uh, watch, Ke- watch Kelly's LSO intro intro presser. And one of the fir- first few questions from a South Bend reporter said, congrats to the fairy godmouth for showing up. It was such a good cut at Kelly. And I must say that was pretty, uh, that was pretty slick for that guy to get down there and do that. Kelly's face said it all. <laughs> what I, I what was it what did he say like what it was your reaction oh well it was he's just like you could you could just see it in Kelly's face like fuck you know here's a he's trying you know, it's like it's like you broke up with a chick right? right and you go to this restaurant and you're having a good time with this with, with a date with this new girl and then like the new girl's friend shows up and sits uh next to you at the bar and I was like hey how's your night going that it was kind of that vibe but in a, enough about Carter Carl's <laughs> Yeah, it wasn't Carter. It was someone from no, what, it wasn't. But 57. You, you did hear that Carter like actually. Right. Yeah. OK. Was that at a Denny's, though? Did he say Denny's? I don't believe he said Denny's. He said he was in a Baton Rouge restaurant. So I swear to God, I thought I thought I read Denny's that I was just rolling. That's, that's too funny. At Denny's, yeah. <laughs> like how much money you make in BK? Oh, you know, nine million dollars a year. Need that moons over Miami, huh? Hey, All right, when, the, um, when the urge hits, you you gotta go. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, also, I listen to a ton of different ND podcasts, including Driscoll's. Seems like there's some podcaster, you guys, John with Always Irish, and others who don't care for the guy. Just curious why that is. Is he a jerk to other podcasters or what? I don't know. I like I like him and you guys too, but just wonder if there was a rivalry with some ND podcasters or what? Uh, okay. We'll cut. This is like I said, this is a raw review. I don't listen. I don't follow Driscoll. I don't read any of his stuff. I don't listen to his podcasts. I really don't have any massive animosity towards him. 
And the thing is, I can't follow him on Twitter because he fucking blocked me because he's a baby and just blocks people that disagree with him or whatever the fuck. I don't care. Anything I've ever heard about comes out of his mouth or, or that he's written down has came from somebody else because I don't pay attention to it. I have personally, I, I've never had a huge beef with him. And in fact, when I snuck my son up to the press box in 2018, uh, Driscoll talked to, to my son for like a half hour. I mean, he was you know, just super nice and just shoot the shit with him for a half hour. It was just, you know, we were just sitting there hanging out. But he's just, he's got his online persona is just so fucking, I'm right, you're wrong. I coach Division Three at Defiance College. I, I should be coaching the fucking 49ers, whatever persona he's got. It's just, it's just, it's not my thing. <laughs> Maybe it's other people's things, but I never, never once said he doesn't know what he's talking about when it comes to, to football or anything like that. But he is definitely not my cup of tea or a lot of other people's. And that's fine. I'm not somebody else's cup of tea. I can guarantee you that. Uh, but I just, I don't think about him. The only thing I, one time I, I think about him is when someone else brings him up to me and that's it. Yeah. So I had, um, I had two really bad run-ins with, uh, with Brian. Um, I guess I'll start with the positive first, which is I do listen to his podcast. Um, the, the times I appreciate it the most is when he's kind of explaining football concepts to me. I'm, I'm very weak in, in terms of understanding sort of the X's and O's and, and he has a great, he actually has a really great memory or he has a really great handy file system in terms of, uh, recalling dates and, and players and positions and, and everything. So, um, I find his I find his podcast uh, valuable. Uh, some of his opinions I, I just don't agree with, but I think that's any podcast to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I used I used to be a member of, of Rivals back when uh, when Brian was a writer there, and he was a mod on the on the uh, on the boards. And you know he made a comment about something about the NFL draft, which was something that at the time I was studying very very closely and following quite closely. Um, and you know I just I, I said to I, I just made the point that you know, it, it wasn't, um, that wasn't what the conventional wisdom was. And he said, who's talking about mock drafts. I'm talking about, um, I'm talking about, you know, people in the know. And I said, well, people in the know are doing mock drafts and and this is how we kind of have their sense of, you know, how the quarterbacks are going to shake out or whatever. And, uh, you know, a couple back and forths and he just said, no one's talking about mock drafts. And so he banned me. Um, I I don't know if band is the right word. He kicked me out of the topic and I wasn't allowed to post. And I just thought, well, the guy just can't take dissent. And it was weird because, you know, I would say on 99 out of a hundred topics on that board, probably Brian knows more than I do. But on that one topic, I I just, I felt confident in what I, I, I knew because I did all my research. Right. And so I was trying to bring, you know, facts to the, um, to the disagreement and it didn't seem like he really wanted that. So, you know, obviously that upset me. And the, and the second time was, um, on Twitter, um, I was following this guy, EJ Holland, who turned out to be kind of a train wreck and ended up working for, I think he worked for the Michigan rivals site, or he might've moved on by now. I'm not hundred percent sure, but that's yeah, Michigan's rivals. Yeah. Yeah. He tweeted out an offer of a guy who got like a USC offer and he wasn't offered by Notre Dame. And so I just, I merely asked the question like, Hey, are you going to tweet out, you know, guys offers, are you going to retweet guys offers who aren't even off by Notre Dame? And he's just like, yeah, man, I have relationships with these people like, you know, or whatever. And Brian, who was not part of that conversation, jumped in and he said, be careful, EJ. Um, you know, whatever you say, he's going to steal it and put it up on his website. 
And uh, I, I don't know if you guys know about this about me. I, I mean, I feel like if you've listened long enough. You, you probably do know. I was I was a working journalist for for ten years. I wrote for a newspaper uh, f- from 2005 to well, 2002 really to 2010, and then I worked at a at a television station for about six months. So you know, at the Observer before that, I don't know if you count that that time or whatever. But I take sourcing very very seriously. I take attribution very seriously. Um, I would never steal anyone's content without, without giving them proper attribution and, and, uh, and sourcing it correctly. So I asked Brian to provide an example of what, in which I'd done that. And, and he, he turned it ad hominem attacks at that point. I just realized he wasn't, he wasn't looking to, uh, to actually have a legitimate conversation. He was just looking to clown. So, you know, yeah. that's, that's sort of, those are my two run-ins and that's the reason that, you know, he's blocked me or whatever. And I, I just, you know. I, I sometimes in, in my less charitable moments, I like to, you know, to dunk on him or whatever, because it's easy to do, but it's, it probably doesn't really serve anything. Um, I've never met him in person. I, I don't care to, I don't, I doubt he cares to meet me. Um, he's called me a clown. He says I'm not serious, which is fine. I, I don't, I'm not looking to be the next Brian Driscoll. I really am not. I, I just, I really enjoy being at one foot down and, and doing what I do and living in my corner of the, of the internet. And to be honest with you, the guys I looked up to in, in life are people like loose emoji, to be honest with you. Like if I could be the next loose emoji, I would be, I would take that 100 times out of a hundred. So, um, so that's my little spiel, but, uh, okay. you know, continue to listen to the podcast that, that, uh, that you find valuable. Um, if it's, yeah, you know, like Reister, what you Samson like, and, and, and O'Malley, we, we listen to them too. And, you know, even sometimes we slag them on this podcast. I, I, I still listen faithfully, you know, once, twice a week. I listen to the athletic, uh, with Fortuna and, and Samson, obviously Eric Hansen and Tyler James are my absolute favorites. Um, I'm into the sports beat stuff too. So there's plenty of stuff out there and there's some guys who are killing it on the smaller scale, um, that are really looking on the come up. So, you know, try them too and see if, if one of them is, is something that's for you, because there's a lot of people out there that are doing something we're doing just sort of like a fan's perspective. And, uh, to be honest with you, they're kind of fun to listen to. And some of them are Debbie Downers and some of them are, um, smoking, smoking the hopium, you know? So, and you know, there's, there's something for everybody. So I like to provide as much as I can on that. You, you get your opium here. You get your, you get your little <laughs> Debbie cakes here, <laughs> whatever you need. All right. That's all we need to really say about that. So, yeah. um, moving on. I got to, I still got to finish this guy's review. This is, I mean, this was a goddamn novel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he apologizes. This is so long. Uh, but he said, if we were willing to read that COVID vaccine, uh, <laughs> review, then he knows we'll read this. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all these dudes recently doing 15 minute mini casts. Uh, so you can listen on short drives or something. It's such crap. Thanks for keeping yours nice and long. Love it. Excited to attend the Fiesta Bowl here in Phoenix. Thank you for that long ass review. Uh, next year from Arise from 88, JOK earned. Yeah. Look, I named my son Holtz. I have a tattoo of a touchdown Jesus on my left arm. This podcast. <clears throat> Is my number one source for Irish info, and even and they even managed to make me laugh once in a while too. Just kidding, I laugh every episode. Good, <laughs> keep up the good work, boys. Thank you very much. Um, this one from Kidney Thirty Nine Freeman Era. Love listening to the pod. I look forward to your thoughts and insights on the previous game regarding the hiring Freeman. I think it's a great move for the school and the team. Also, want to add, I was in agreement with Jude. Regarding the intro of Freeman, the coaches around the NCAA, 
If the coach wins, then great. If he loses, then the grand introduction means nothing. Keep up the great work, and as always, go Irish. The thing is, though, is you can't go back and redo the intro. <laughs> That's the thing. You just you gotta you're selling it like here here's the greatness. You only got one. If shot. it doesn't work out, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And actually, I had I was wrong. I had said Notre Dame has never done anything like this before. And today I was listening to uh, one of Rake's pods that he had on, but he had on Eric Hansen. And Hansen talked about uh, the O'Leary introduction, which was inside the Joyce Center. It was a, it was a big kind of to-do. They handed out the By George, it's O'Leary shirts to everybody, even media members. And so they've done this before. That obviously didn't work out. <laughs> and then they said that Willingham, when he got hired like a week later, was like in the like the varsity club. <laughs> Like, the, like, like, tucked away. <laughs> they yeah. were doing big ta-da. But, again, I think, I think Swarbrick, Jenkins, the staff, I think everyone felt a little jilted about Kelly moving on. I think it was surprising for a lot of people, regardless of what they say. And they're excited about the move on. And they want to show that they're not down about that. This is the fact, this is the best thing that happened. You know what I mean? It's, it's like I said, it's a peacock thing. Like show your fucking feathers. And they did it. I thought it was really well done. Um, when we talked about the awkwardness of the, of the, uh, of the reporter situation, Jude, I thought Hanson uh, said it was, it was a okay with him. He didn't even say it was weird. He just said, you know, it was what it was. I think they really enjoyed the talking to um, like family members and stuff like that. After the whole thing, they were, you know, mingling around with those guys. So I think they, they like that, but. Yeah, yeah um, Pat, I mean, Pat Forty was hanging out with Pat Terrell and Chris Sorich. Um, yeah, I thought that was cool. I mean, made most of the situation. Like, yeah, these guys have interviewed BK after he's gotten off the golf course every summer. Like, this is this is probably not even the top ten weirdest places they've asked questions of a head coach. So I get it. I get it that you know if you if you've done this no, as long as Eric Hansen has, you know, nothing phases you at this point. You're just well, you're there to well, do your I job. Like people are like people are worried about getting hurt, right? Like in, in getting your hopes down and a big production like this seems like a, you're, you're waiting for it to get, to get slapped back in the face for it. Sure. Like, like it's a bad karma or something. I get it. But like I said, you can't go back and redo this. You know, Marcus Freeman may be the next head coach for the next 20 years. Maybe the next, he may be the head coach for three years. We don't know yet, but if it's the former, if he's, you know, if he's successful and lasts a long time, we just did this thing. It's fine. It's fine. So, I mean, yeah, look, uh, but look, you could definitely have that opinion. And I, that, that's absolutely OK. I was just in the camp of I really like this. I'm glad they did it. And I see why they did it. And I thought it was really well organized. And it just the the optics of it all, I thought, were really good. Yeah, I think, look, part of my um, if I didn't say in the last podcast, this is how I feel. Part of my reaction to it was probably a contrarian position to sort of like the the anoint the anointment of Marcus Freeman, uh, even before when he took the DC job and people were like, we're never giving up a point. Like he's going to be the next right. head coach. And it was just like, it was just like, can, can we watch him? And then Florida game? state happens. And then, Florida, and then Florida state happened and Toledo happened. And people were like, who is the schlub? Fire and, Freeman. Yeah. And, 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 and so like we just, it's like whiplash with Notre Dame fans. And I, and I get that you're allowed to t- stake out every position in the moment, but, um, you know, I, 
we we brought up the, the you know our our friend Phil's tweet or whatever like oh what would you rather have you know Kelly in the playoffs or Marcus Freeman outside the playoffs and it's just like you know that that to me is a is a perfect example of just like I'm excited about Marcus Freeman but I ain't that excited you know what I mean like I just I gotta watch him be a head coach and I, I love I love everything I love everything he's saying love it love the recruiting answer. I'm going to love it probably for this upcoming uh, signing day and for the one after that. Um, And then to be honest with you, I just, I got to see what they put out in the field um, for Ohio state, because that's what, that's what it means, you know? Yeah. And and honestly, for, for in that moment, Jude, Jude didn't read all the comments on that. Jude got a lot of shit for what he said, (laughs) but honestly, for, I thought about in the moment of that podcast, I thought you being a, I won't even say dissenting voice, just a different voice. Cause Brendan and I were ready to go fucking join the front lines yeah. uh, <laughs> for Freeman that day. So having a, having a, a more uh, conservative voice, uh, you know, on that, I think at least helps set a better perspective there. You know, even if you agree with it or not out there, at least, at least, you know, that, you know, that there are, you know, there are still some concerns and, you know, and not even just concerns. It's just like, let's be careful about how much, <laughs> uh, you know, how well we're digging into all this and all that. And it was, it was fine. It was fine. Again, he goes 10 and two next year. I mean, I, you know, that, that'll speak volumes more than, um, than any way that they ran this press conference because, right, right. um, I'm just looking forward to, you know, I'm just missed football already. I mean, army Navy just happened. Yeah. We still got bowl games. I just, I'm, I'm starting in the mo- my morning period early and I just, you know, the camellia bowl can't come quick, so quickly enough, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And speaking of, speaking of which I need to, I need to put that up uh, around the fold of the site. If you haven't joined already, the one foot down, um, uh, what am I calling? Am I just calling it like a bowl contest? I don't even bowl know what mania? that like, I think we call it bowl mania, yeah. right? Did I call it bull media this year? Yeah, I think I don't know. Whatever. Oh, no, I just called it the one foot down bull pick them or something. Anyways, it's up on the site. Head on over. It's free to join. Uh, winner gets a home field shirt, which we'll talk about home field in a few, but uh, just go ahead and do it. Uh, next last review for the night. Uh, this one from her loyal son. Oh, muck, Michigan. Love the show. Thanks for keeping it real. I've, I, qu- I've quit listening to most all the other ND podcasts just can't take the negativity or the arrogance they continually spew out of their faces. <laughs> what happens first? Freeman wins a national championship at ND or Kelly gets fired from LSU. <laughs> I mean, just, I have an answer, but I don't think it's going to be the answer that that you're looking for. Yes. Statistically, or, the, or the reason or the reason that statistically it. speaking, there's a much higher chance that the Kelly gets fired from LSU than yes. Freeman wins. And that's, um, that's my answer. But as a fan, of course I want Freeman to win a national championship. Cause that means Tommy Reese won a national championship. And that's great. And, and there's a new, and, Hey, we're talking about statues, right? Muffet Jack said today, Muffet's or thank God getting, getting hers. I, well, how, why did it take him this long to at least say it? Jesus, I privacy. I don't know, but the guy who designed all of the coaches, um, help me out here. Uh, yeah, frick, why am I uh, blanking on his name? Jerry I don't McKenna. know. I met the guy. I, yeah, Jerry McKenna. That sounds that sound right. Like? Yeah. Yes. So anyways, his son was on a um, 
like a YouTube, like a, one of the, the games that Notre Dame, you remember during the quarantine, the YouTube, like Notre Dame was doing those games yeah, on YouTube yeah. and like, and we would all get to like chat or whatever. His son was on there and they, and he said, I don't know, obviously this was 2020. He said that his dad had not been approached about doing a statue for Muffet. Although she, he believed his dad, he believed his dad believed that Muffet was deserving of the statue. And I thought, Oh shit, if they're not, if they haven't even approached him, then that means we're still a couple of years out. And this guy's kind of getting on an age and like, do you, th- sucks. do you think so, he, uh, do you think he already had one? had some already like thoughts and designs ready to go though. I mean, I think a good artist always has something that, you know, that he's, that he's kind of tinkering with. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I hope that they, um, that they pick him for continuity's sake, because I think he does a good job and I think that they would blend him really to. well. Yeah. Um, but, uh, what, whichever way they get it done, um, Look, I, you know, I know Rakes has been on this for a long time. I know that our, our podcast has been on this for a long time. Build her a damn statue. She deserves it. She deserves it. Absolutely. And yeah, it should be him that does it. I mean, I, listen, I met the man. I, I could, like I said, I couldn't remember his name, but I met the man. He's got a, <laughs> he's got a fun beard. He looks like a sailor. He actually looks like the guy that wrote, uh, the game of Thrones novels. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of what he looks like. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but Yeah. He did a great job on on everything else. Keep it the same. I mean, think of the lengths Notre Dame went to uh, match bricks up in that, ba- you know, on the buildings and shit. So yeah, yeah it, it'll be it. It'll be it. So Jerry's gonna uh, turn, Jerry's gonna turn eighty four uh, on December twenty eighth. So I I don't know where where Jerry is done. in his in his life stage, but I really hope that uh, he uh, he can do the the Muffet statue. So. Yeah, get it done. Uh, all right, let's um, let's uh, move on here to. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for the reviews. Oh, Those were great. Absolutely, uh, that, that was a lot. We're we're a fucking half hour in, uh, <laughs> so that that says a ton. Tommy Rees uh, went on the Ryan Russillo podcast, opened up his mouth, and heaven came forth. And I mean that in the ways like I'm not even sure if if people really appreciate how refreshing that interview was like, so I've been covering Notre Dame in the, in this fashion for, for what, 12, 13 seasons now. And, and really like more reporter, like over the last five, six years, this don't happen. This does not happen. Like, even if you get an assistant coach, like you come on a podcast there is some tight lips, things aren't being said kind of things. Very company line, very corporate. Uh, for Rosillo to get Tommy on there and it just have Tommy speak the truth about what what went on with him, the whole situation, how he feels about it. I was blown away. I listened to it like three times in a row. Like just kept rewinding it, re-listening again. You get you do not get that. I don't I have no idea how much Notre Dame is gonna and I'm talking about Notre Dame, like the university as a whole is going to kind of crack the whip on this a little bit uh, in the future. Not to say that it has anything to do with Freeman, but. Oh, well, let, let me ask you a question. Well, let me ask you a question. Um, is it possible that this was more Brian Kelly driven than university driven? I know that we like to think yes. of the university as this sort of keep it close, cards close to the vest, 
Um, you know, don't, don't, uh, say anything outside the family that's, you know, debt that be, could, could be construed as detrimental. Um, you know, so that whole vibe or whatever, what if Marcus Freeman is like, if Tommy, what if Tommy came to Marcus Freeman's like, Hey, I got this invite from the Ryan Rosilio pod. Like, you know, I think I can handle it or whatever. And Marcus is like, yo, we're all adults here. Go ahead and do that. Yeah, I don't Represent even think that'd be a question. You know? Yeah. So a guy I went to high school with, uh, worked in at Cincinnati when Kelly was, um, Kelly was the coach down in Cincy. Uh, I don't know if he's a, he's an assistant SID or, or whatever he was. Had nothing but bad things to say about BK. <laughs> and <laughs> Kelly is the reason why he's no longer at Cincinnati. Oh, wow. <laughs> like, Holy cow. That, like, fuck this, I'm gone, kind of a thing. Very, talked about how he's um, just, you know, an asshole, I guess, is one word uh, that he used. Um, but also, you know, controlling, which I think most head coaches are. But I think Kelly wanted a certain message out there. And I think the university was more than happy to keep, you know, I think, I think it was driven by Kelly. I think it was driven by Kelly, but the gas came from the school. Notre Dame is more than happy to keep things as in-house as possible to let them control what message they want out there as much as possible. And it was a, it was a perfect marriage in that sense with Notre Dame and, and Brian Kelly with Freeman. And look, it was Tommy Reeves that was on the press conference for the Fiesta Bowl. Mm-hmm. I think that there is a lot of you're going to things are going to be different. Let's put it that way. I think there's a lot of trust from Marcus for Tommy and Tommy already ex- explained on that podcast that he has a lot of trust and faith in Marcus. So I think there's a lot, there's a lot to be said there without it really saying a whole lot where the, the trust is there that you can be an adult and speak in front of the media, how that moves forward. When we hit not even in, in spring, I would almost bet you're going to have more uh, opportunities uh, in spring than we had in the past, but even next, so next fall, like how that's going to work, you know, Freeman is a young guy. He was, you know, been an assistant. Maybe he, he feels that his coordinators at, at the very least can handle you know, a few minutes in front of the media. And how's that going to hurt? Like, if you trust your, if you trust your coordinators to be your, your right hand and left hand guys, then what would it hurt? I mean, honestly, well, it's not like, it's not, it's not like Tommy's going to go out there and like smash, you know what I mean? Tommy's not going to go out there and smash the university. No, you know, it's not going to say, say anything embarrassing. Uh, But I mean, he's going to be, but as we saw on the podcast, He's pretty honest about things, and I think that's refreshing. So I don't know. I, I, I thought it was fantastic. Yeah. So a couple of things, right? And I think you, I think you hit on them sort of. But let me just hammer this point home. Notre Dame in the last couple of years, would you say last ten, and it's certainly building it up way more in the last two or three, has been really putting a lot of um, time, resources, energy into NDFIM, right? They want to money speak and money. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They want to speak. That's why I could, that's why I call resources. I mean, staff, yeah. Human yeah. bodies, salaries, all that does. Right. They want to be able to put out their message, right. And they want their message to be loudest of all so that when people are seeing Marcus Freeman and see his players for the first time, they're not seeing it through the prism of Irish Illustrated's video or ISD's video. They're seeing it through an in-house production 
And when you're, you know, when you're getting exclusive looks with Marcus Freeman, it's coming because Emily Ragan has been following him along around all day. John Asher has been shooting over his shoulder, right? It's, it's because of those dudes, right? Those, those people. Right. And so, you know, what they did was, and then Kelly kind of had, like you said, Kelly kind of leaned into that or, or melded with that nicely, which is like, he wanted the head coach to speak. He wanted to be the person who, you know, the one voice, the unity of voice. And they were trying to have a unity of message, too. And so for in terms of message discipline, this worked out perfectly. Now, they might just default to that and say, Marcus, you know, your media availability is Sunday and Thursday and whatever days that, the, the, you know, Brian Kelly used to meet with the media. Right. And it's Sunday and Thursday were not the correct days. But you know what I'm saying? Like the, the two times a week. Right. Right. But he might say to them. But why? You know, why can't we do why can't we do it different? Like, why can't why can't I why can't I do the radio show again? Or why can't I do have a, like I have a quick media or why can't I do a Sunday uh, phone call or whatever? You know what I mean? And depending on how much he wants to get involved with that. And he might also say, you know what? I think that somebody should hear from somebody from the program on Sunday. I might do five minutes and then put my coordinators on for 10 minutes. You know what I mean? Right. The, the, the playbook is in terms of communications is now wide back wide open and they may say to him, Oh, Marcus, you don't want to, you don't want, you don't have, you want you'd rather be on the phone making, making a recruiting call or dialing for dollars for the new X facility or whatever. That's, that's a better use of your time. And he might just say, no, I have, I want to be transparent. I want to be accessible. I want to be, you know, something for, I want to, Hey, I want to have a certain persona with the media and maybe that goodwill lasts as long as he keeps winning. Right. And in seven and six, when right. the, if the long, if we get to seven and six, then the long knives come out and then maybe he feels like he got burned a little bit. But, um, I think a first year head coach, you tend to see a lot more open practices, um, media availability. Which we saw today. Yeah. I mean, we, we would not, if Brian Kelly was the head coach, the media was not going to be at the practice today getting video and all that. And they were there for 40 minutes today. It's not like there was any like revelations <clears throat> involved here, but I can tell you the media appreciates that like a motherfucker. Like, and, that's, and, and they know, can, keep, they can keep confidences, right? They, you know, if you, if you have a, uh, a trick play or something and you say, Hey, keep this under your hat, but we're going to show it to you or whatever. The, the media as a whole have, have been proven to be reliable with that with that information, right? Because right. we know for a fact that they they um, they planned a kind of a, a like a weird was it a two point play? Because I think O'Malley obliquely re- referenced it, I think in the Purdue game and said, I think we're going to see that play that we saw over the summer, you know. And it was just sort of like, uh, oh, so they did see something interesting, you know what I mean? But right. they weren't allowed to talk about it. So yeah, it's. It's fine. Like it does not it really, have to be like Fort Knox. It really is. Yeah. And and to be honest with you, there's, there's, there's pluses and minuses, right? Yeah. Okay. Unity of message speaking from, you know, from one source, having your message get out there, but you also get a reputation as being like, like you're hiding something or that you're, that you're, you know, that you've circled the wagons and stuff like that. So there are positives and negatives to, to doing it the way that Notre Dame is, has been doing. Well, like it. you said, like you said, you know, there there may come a time where you have a bit of a rough season. And look, people are human beings. And so if you've been an asshole to a, to a person or to a group of people and you're having a rough time, they can't wait to rub that shit in your face. And so 
if you've been a good person and been open and honest to these people. It's not to say that they're not doing their jobs or, or lying or anything like that, but there's a different perspective and a different tone that comes out of those articles when you're having a rough time. You know what I mean? Like, duh. Like, I, don't, I should have to explain this. Like, duh. <laughs> if you're nice to people and you give them a little bit more of what they want, when shit gets rough, you're not, they're not going to bury your face and shit. That's just common sense. Kelly didn't give a fuck about that when it, you know, after the 2000s, I don't know, the 16 season, especially it was, it, it was what it was. He had the go ahead from, from, uh, Swarbrick and Jenkins and the press started getting locked out. COVID gave them all the, uh, all the excuses they needed that they sure. wanted. And, you know, we talked about that before in this podcast. Like this is, yeah. this, this is perfect for Notre Dame because they could just do this and they get, you know, not to say that they're getting away with this, but this is what they want. They want to be able to control the narrative. And then coming out of COVID, it's just, it makes it easier for them not to like dive all the way back in. So I don't know, man. Ta- listen to Tommy talk about how he was gone Monday, Tuesday. You know, I, I don't know. I, I'm an emotional guy. And so here, and re- I think Tommy's a, on those ends the same, like, Hearing him say, like, you know what, you know, Notre Dame was getting attacked. He f- literally felt like Notre Dame was under the attack here and that he wanted to fight for Notre Dame. Like, I, that that's some run through the brick wall type of shit. Like, that that feels good. If you're a fan, you should feel fantastic. And it's like, no, duh. Like, Tommy Reese, the guy who just showed up at Notre Dame and gets thrown into the fire as a freshman that, that had Mac offers. And sticks around for four years, wins a lot of games. Now he's back coaching. I mean, it's just, it's Tommy Reese is Notre Dame through and through. You're not going to find anyone more Notre Dame than uh, Tommy Reese. But he's also, you know, when when a guy, when the top guy loses their job or leaves or whatever, your job security is not, not, you know, guaranteed. It's far from certain. Yeah. Yeah. It's far from certain. So you're, you're thinking, all right, well, I, I have a job if I want down in Louisiana. And so you start thinking of certainties and about, about, you know, what you can do. And then you, you really start allowing yourself to look at the positive side of things. And that's like, all right, this is an opportunity. And I could, I could listen to Tommy talk about it. I could totally put myself in this situation. Like, yeah, I can, you can totally talk yourself into doing something that'd be against what you would think you would do because that's what you got to do. I mean, sometimes you just got to fucking be a man and do the things you got to do. And then he woke up Wednesday and was like, no, fuck this. <laughs> so I, I, I can appreciate that. You know, I, I think we've talked about this a little bit on previous podcasts, but let me try again, too. There's a difference between loyalty to Brian Kelly and loyalty to the to the university or the the idea of Notre Dame. Right. And so I think a lot of people just uh, us, ourselves included assumed there would be a lot of loyalty to Brian Kelly. He's given a lot of people jobs. He's made them very successful. He's now come, he's now going to a different place where he can offer them more money. And it's not, it's not a move backwards. It's not like he's taking over a Mac team or a division two team or anything like that. Like LSU is, is you could say lateral, you could say step, you could say slight step backwards. It's still P five. They won a national I've, championship a couple yeah, years ago. Yeah, they're, exactly. They're pre- I mean, they're in, they're in the sec for credit sakes. Right. And so when somebody offers you, you know, $400,000 over what you're currently making or $600,000 over what you're currently making yet, yeah, like you have to, you have to, you have to take a, a step back and say, okay, 
I've got to do what's best for me. But what what do I define as what's best for me? Is it just about the money? Is it just about the relationships? Or is it about the feeling of something greater? And of course, as Notre Dame fans, we're thrilled beyond belief that 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 Tommy has kind of drank the same Kool-Aid that we've all drank and, and believe strongly in Notre Dame as the institution. Notre Dame, the institution is greater than any one individual. It's greater than Brian Kelly. It's greater than Tommy Reese, greater than Marcus Freeman, it's greater than Jack Swarbrick, so on and so forth. Right. And so, you know, so I, I, as I mentioned to, uh, to, uh, to, uh, you and our friends in the DMS today and on Twitter, like this is a game of musical chairs, right? Marcus Freeman said the same exact thing. When Brian Kelly called and said, Hey, do you want a job down here? He said, I need a job. Right. So he wasn't saying, yes. absolutely. Let me go talk to my wife. He said, I wasn't saying yes. I wasn't saying no. He said, I need a job, right? This is a guy who understands that the music is playing. The chairs have been removed. We're dancing around the chairs now. And when the music stops, I need to have a chair. Okay. I need to have a chair. And if that chair is head coach in Notre Dame, that's the best chair. That's the king size chair. But I also have a secondary chair here. What I don't want is for it to be a man without an island where Brian's like, hey, you waited too long. I moved no on. chairs, you know, like exactly. I hired, you know, somebody D.C., some Brian, Mike Elston, uh, you know, some hot D.C. name that we we haven't thought of. You know what I mean? Like, you know, somebody in the LSU family or something like that. Like you, that's what you don't want. So bless Tommy Reese for saying exactly what he needed to say to keep his leverage, which was like, hey, you can't slow play this with me. I have a job offer. I'm going to need to know what you're doing for me right now. Uh, I'm not waiting several days to, to find out what that is. Right. 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 Yeah. And I, so I think, uh, you know, Tommy being celebrated as being, you know, loyal to the university, by the way, get your loyal t-shirts, hoodies and coffee (laughs) mugs, uh, which are selling, dude, somebody bought 15 today, same size. God bless them. God, God bless them in the heat. Uh, get those on the site. But it wasn't just Tommy being loyal to Notre Dame. It was no, Notre Dame being loyal to Tommy. I mean, making sure that they, it was known to him that they want him. They want him to stay. And they made, you know, they made the moves necessary to keep him. And that says a lot, too. I mean, that's it's just this isn't a one. It's never a one way street, especially in these kind of circumstances. And so I think that's important too to know that, you know, Swarbrick and 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 the powers that be were like, no, we want Tommy to stay here. You know, Marcus wanted him. Tommy wanted Marcus to be there too. I mean, that it was a, and that's why I think you know like the, the, the Freeman's introduction and all that. It was just one big joyous like we all fucking love each other kind of a moment. Like we <laughs> like we all sat around the campfire and got absolutely fucking blitzed. And it's 4:30 in the morning, and we're all telling each other how much we love each other. We'll be friends forever. Right. That's what that was. Uh, so great. <laughs> I mean, continuity. When you have a major coaching change like this, the best you could hope for is continuity. And even with, like they would have brought an outside coach in, they like they try to keep like one guy, you know, maybe one or two guys, and they kept Bayless. But like keeping the keeping as much of the staff intact that has been successful, mind you, I think it was key to Notre Dame's future and to Marcus Freeman's future, which is now completely intertwined. So, 
And, and one thing that's happened since since the last time we potted too is that Brian Polian ended up taking a job at LSU, right? And beca- becomes the first assistant, to our knowledge, who's going to follow um, Brian Kelly to LSU. Now, there's an open question about whether or not Dell Alexander um, survives after the bowl game. Uh, perhaps Jeff Quinn is in a, in a similar situation. Those all those things can all be worked out after January 1st. But Brian Polian is is gone, right? And so some people said right. good good riddance. Um, you know, we don't need him or whatever. Um, you know, Brian Pullian though, <laughs> he did two tours of duty at Notre Dame, right? He did a Weiss tour yep. and he did a Kelly tour, right? And him and um, Brock. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and Brian Pullian, um, understands what Notre Dame's all about. He was, he was, um, you, I mean, you can make an argument about how, how integral he was with the Hawaiian pipeline or whatever. No, he's instrumental in yeah. the, in the Hawaii recruiting instrumental. So, and in, so, in that, that you know, does, does that, does that take a step? You know, I know I saw a lot of people making snarky things like, Oh, maybe now we'll return a punch or whatever. Right. Um, it, it, you know, one thing that is not certain is that Marcus Freeman will actually have a, a, a dedicated special teams guy because a lot of, a lot of teams don't actually have a dedicated special teams guy. It's linebackers coach and special teams. It's secondary coach and special teams. You know what I mean? So, which is, um, which is the, uh, theory going on right now about, uh, Lashinsky. Okay. He's, he, he's doing linebackers and special teams right now. Okay. Uh, for, you know, for, for Notre Dame. So there's a, uh, I, I think, I think Priester mentioned it today on, on the pod, um, that, you know, he could see that being the case moving forward as well. Right. So, and and to be honest with you, I'm, I'm interested in seeing, um, Marcus Freeman hire a couple of people. Yes. I love the continuity. Yes, I love the yes. fact that people are staying, but I want to see who he reaches for. Is it guys that he's previously worked with at other stops? Um, is he is he trying to bring young guys like himself and Tommy? Um, you know, w- what's he looking for in terms of the right kind of guy and the right kind of fit? Well, you know, I heard someone, I can't remember which, where it was at, but someone had talked about you know bringing in like like an old like an old guy to like kind of like for experience reasons and like you know just just someone to lean on, but. I mean, Elston's not young, mm-hmm. and Elston's Elston has been at Notre Dame for over a decade now. He's been he got there when Kelly got here, and he's staying. So, I guess as far as like that part of it goes, like you got Mike Elston to lean on, which you know should should be a big help to Marcus Freeman in the, in that regard. But yeah, I'd be interested to find out. Um, you know, I, Jeff Quinn may not be sticking around. Uh, I don't think he's heading to LSU though. Um, maybe Nebraska. I know you interviewed there, but we'll, we'll see about all that. Polian's obviously gone. Uh, Alexander, you know, just, we just don't know. He, he might actually be the biggest, uh, mystery of all, but how that's going to move, uh, move forward. But he's going to have to hire, you know, at the very least a couple of guys. So who those guys are, don't know. We'll probably know. We'll, they'll get into that, you know, after the bowl game for sure. Um, but as for right now, especially with recruiting too, it really helps keeping as many guys back, back in to sign the guys that have committed, you know, like that, that's a, that's a big thing. This is a, this is a good class. We'll talk about recruiting here coming up shortly, but yeah, just, just to, just to dip the, the tiniest of toes. One of the things I've been fascinated by with it is the conversation that is now happening about early signing day vis-a-vis. Um, forcing the timeline of coaches departing early before their teams have played impossible 
bowl games with implications, right? And I think Notre Dame is being brought up in this conversation a lot because Brian Kelly, Brian Kelly bolted before we knew that the Notre Dame was not in a playoff game, right? And so they're allowed for right. the possibility. But if you look at it in terms of like what Brian Kelly has to accomplish for LSU, his new place, obviously he has to get there so he can sign his class, right? And his class is coming up on Wednesday, right? And so yeah. um, have we have we accidentally created a perverse um, problem here in which the coaching carousel gets wound up some might argue too early and cause so much tumult um, because of this early signing day. And if so, what is the proper signing day? If you're going to have two, if you're, if you're sticking with the idea of two and you believe in the idea of two for the, for the, for all the reasons that we went to two, um, what, what makes more sense? Do you have, do well, you they- ask the, the national championship game? Does that make it too close to the other, the other uh, signing period? Do you push the other signing period back? Like, what is the, you know, I don't know that there, I don't know that I have the answer. I don't think that. that, I don't think there's a right answer. I, I know August was talked about before, before they did, before they made a move. Um, the month of August was, was a time where people thought it would be a good time for the early signing period. Cause that way the guys could, could sign and be done with it before their senior years and this and that. But the argument was made, you know, and for good reason that, you know, anything can happen to this team program coaches and now they're signed on paper, you know, what are we going to do about that? But the, the flip, on the flip, and I think Bud Elliott was the one that talked about it. He's like, now coaches are kind of using this as like collateral for like, look, if you fire me, you're going to lose this class kind of a thing. Sure. So it's been kind of this, and I just don't think there's a right answer. I think that because there's big money involved, there is no right answer. Look, LSU got rid of Ed Ogeron because Ed Ogeron just is not a good had a football coach and he had a bunch of personal shit that really fucked him too down there. You know, he had a bunch of assistants that helped him and Joe Burrow and great talent that was there. They won a national championship, but this is a big money program. They can't pay for school books in Louisiana, but they're paying for a head coach. <laughs> so, you know, they come in, it's just, it's just like Texas A&M coming in, you know, big dick swinging, going to get Jimbo Fisher and then coming up to get Mike Elko, who, by the way, is now the head coach of, of Duke now. It's just what if these schools, these alumni, these boosters, if they want something and they and they can pony up the cash for it. It doesn't matter what the what the rules are. It's, it's all going to get tossed up there. And I think I, I don't know, maybe it's just maybe I got COVID on my mind. But I think after the COVID season, I think. I think COVID like put a damper on some of the moves. I think more people were fired than I thought would. Yeah. I think they would get, I thought they were going to get a little more pass because of all the shit that was going on that year. Um, but I think this is kind of a, this year might be more of a backlash of a, like a two year combo kind of a deal. And look, Lincoln Riley set it off probably more so than anything else. I mean, who the fuck would have thought he would have left for SC. I mean, this is, it still doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, I mean, you can make arguments for it, but I'm just like, but no one's going to th- think that's going to be happening. And so th- it was just, when was the first big domino going to fall? And that really was the first big domino. And then it's, you don't know where it's going to land after that. But 
you know, if you if you read the reporting from Sports Illustrated and others, it sounds like Brian Kelly's out the door, regardless of whether or not Lincoln. I mean, Lincoln Riley's decision really had nothing right. to do with Brian Kelly. No, 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 no. I'm just and saying, so like, the overall, he just happened the to overall go first. carousel. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he just happened to go first. I mean, look, it could have been um, it could be Kelly that was the first domino. The, the I'm just saying that there- the question I can't answer is. Does LSU fire Ed Orgeron as early as they do if they don't have a December 15th signing period? Does LSU go big game hunting and need to lock this down by November 28th if they do not have a December 15th signing period? Like those are those no. are questions I can't answer. Right. Um, I, but I think, I'll answer them for you. And I, and, I, and I have a best guess. And I would say no, at least with the in terms of the, like the search, like the dates. Like like that November twenty eighth thing. That's a it's a big key right there. Right. I mean, I, somebody who's way smarter than me brought up a great point, which was like, why do you keep Ed Orgeron as your coach if he's just like if you if you're not going to like why do you retain him? Right. It's because you have some you have somebody lined up that you know that you're going to land. Right. You've got somebody in pocket basically, and that was Brian Kelly for LSU. So. We can talk about the timeline and it could be as it could be as little, you know, people want to say, oh, this got done in a day. There's just there's nothing about this that feels like it got done in a day anymore. I mean, if you read the SI reporting, he apparently made the slip when he talked during the Georgia Tech game to the players. He said, for some of us, this will be our last home game. And some eyebrows were raised. And he's like, you know, that's weird. Why did he He, say for some of us? He said it to the media. This will be the last time we we get together. Like, yeah. And I think, I think Hanson talked about it. He's like, like I, he goes, I was thinking like, is this going to be the last, we're not going to have any press conferences for the bowl. And, but it, you know, it was just, it's such a far, it was such a far out thought. No one thought BK was leaving. And it, which is why I wrote the article. One except hour before, he, <laughs> except he started before he adding a bunch of purple to his, to his, <laughs> to his lineup. I mean, <laughs> you know, that should have been the Look, giveaway. He already had the purple jeans. He already <laughs> had the purple jeans uh, from that fucking Joker uh, yeah. outfit he had going on with the, uh, the shirt with unveiling. The, so the we, shirt purple reveal. Purple, yeah. Fine. Yeah. I, 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 who, man, that is just some bad fashion. Bad fashion. <laughs> Freeman ain't pulling that shit. That mother, that dude is smooth. I just love, so, I, you know, as a total aside, I just love that apparently I, I don't follow LSU that closely. So I didn't I don't know. This isn't just a Brian Kelly thing to hold up the L. Right. That's an LSU thing. And I just think it's really funny to hold up an L in, in the in the, like the meme world that we live in. You know what I mean? I know. It's just like that's guns up to me. That's that's Texas Tech. Like, I didn't know that was an LSU thing. I really did not. Yeah. As well. Like, I didn't know they adopted like. Put up a put put up the L. <laughs> Okay. Uh, I don't know. I I'm surprised more SEC people are just like all over that every chance every chance I can. But it is what it is. All right. You got anything more to say about Tommy's Tommy's little little time with Rusillo? It's 25 minutes. Well, if you haven't listened to it, I, I got it. I got it embedded up on the site, uh, but it's on Ryan Rusillo's podcast. You can listen to it on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever. Um, for it was right away 25 first 25 minutes of the show if you haven't heard it go listen to it man it's you'll you'll thank me later i get you'll want to you want to hear this uh you know what I, people I don't want to hear else. jude what? no what what people want to hear
people don't want to hear when they walk into a room when someone says, that's an ugly ass shirt. Oh, yeah. You know what happens if you order from Homefield? You usually uh, don't get that reaction for someone. Legit never. Even if happens. it's from a rival school, they will walk in and be like, that's a fucking dope shirt. That shirt, I applaud you, sir. Folks, you're probably too late to get your order in time for Christmas. But you can and you, never. Uh, I missed a hell of a lot of deals because there was 20% yeah. site wide. There was free shipping Fridays. I mean, they, they, did, they did a lot for us for Black Fridays, Cyber Monday, and so on and so forth. But you can never start, you know, too soon your plans for Valentine's Day. <laughs> and what what significant other wouldn't love a comfy hoodie? She's going to steal it anyways. Might as well get her her own. You head on over to Homefield Apparel. They got schools from all over. They, it's, they really have a, a broad and nice collection now, and it's only going to get continue to get bigger. So if you're a Notre Dame fan... They got a whole bunch of good stuff over there for you. Maybe you went to school somewhere else. Great. They, maybe they got some cool ass shit. I mean, not many people have Eastern Michigan gear. I'm awaiting the, the refresher, Mr. Connor. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm awaiting a brick dick uh, shirt, sir. Uh, but look, it, there's just some of the stuff's hard to find for these smaller schools and all that. And they got it. And they, look, they take the time. They go through old scrapbooks, old, you know, trophy cases and all that, finding the cool retro designs as we all love and, and crave. And they put it on just absolutely comfortable clothing. It's just some of the best clothing that you'll put on. Uh, go buy it now. Homefield Apparel, homefieldapparel.com. And uh, check it out. Check it out. Like I said, Valentine's Day is coming up. Uh, so, President's Day is coming up. Joshua, I will, I will say that you convinced me to make a home field purchase the other day. After so many get? so many ad reads of you talking about how damn comfortable those joggers are, I went and bought myself a pair of two lane joggers, and I cannot wait for them to come in so I can complete I my saw that two lane tuxedo outfit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, they are. Oh god, they are very comfortable, and I don't think there's anything else in my in my wardrobe. And look, I can dress really nice. I mean, I can. I could fucking look good. Uh, but my wife seems to really like me in those gray joggers. So <laughs> the most, and I'm not really allowed to wear them like out uh, because of that. So take it, take it for what it is. God, they are great, Jude. You going to post the pick when you get them. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. yes. I mean, I may not be the first person to receive their batch. I don't, I don't typically like, because of their shipment, you know, they're not, I'm in upstate New York and they're in, what Indiana, right? So yeah, Indianapolis. Uh, yeah, so I don't typically get things first, but uh, yeah, hell yeah, I'm gonna. I'm, first of all, I wear the Tulane hoodie nearly every day. Uh, it's in the wash, so I'm wearing Our Lady of Victory tonight. Um, but you know, hell yeah, I I I couldn't name one player on the Tulane team, but damn it, I'm all in. So. <laughs> we know they almost beat Oklahoma. <laughs> yes, that's the thing that actually happened. And and. And I picked them to win every game after that. I think, and they, and they lost like eight straight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oops. I just, I just kept leaning on that Oklahoma showing. It's like it's not that Oklahoma was actually shitty, was it? No. That was like me with Liberty last year. Liberty hit me so hit so many times. I was like, all right, Liberty's my play. 
And then this year, eh, not so much. Not so much. That's who Eastern's got in their bowl game. The fucking disrespect on college game day. Every single one of them picking Liberty to beat Eastern. <sighs> Buddy. Is that the uh, LendingTree.com bowl by any chance? It is LendingTree.com bowl. I made a huge I For some reason, ESPN had their shit kind of looking backwards. And I'm like, Independence Bowl? Like, did we really get in the – that's a name brand. Like, hell yeah. Like, no. Nah, Shreveport, here we come. Which actually makes more <laughs> – Letting tree uh, makes a lot more sense. Is that the one uh, played? But, at, uh, is it played at Ford Field? Is that a Detroit one? N- no. Okay. Eh, that I couldn't tell you. It would really it would help us out a lot if it was. I didn't know if it was the old Meineke um, Car Care sure. Bowl or uh, what was it? AutoZone Bowl. I think I, Meineke, no, the Meineke Car Care Bowl is what the Belk Bowl turned into. Oh, for real? Oh, okay. And what? And I, which I think is something. Which is that the Duke's Mayo Bowl now? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought so. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, that yeah, it went Monarchy Car Care, I think, then Belk, and then now Duke's Mayo. Um, and then they got, which, by the way, I think Homefield's got uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl shirts available still, too. Oh. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's how it worked. It's kind of like how the, like, it's like uh, the Cheez It Bowl, right? It was a Camping World Bowl. It was a Champ Sports Bowl. It was the Blockbuster Bowl, which the is a Russell really Athletic big bowl, bowl game. Was, yeah. Russell the problem is bowl that there yeah. was another Cheez-It Bowl that became the Frisco Bowl, right? The Cheez-It Bowl that was played between the seven interception affair that was played between Cal and TCU, that became the Frisco Bowl, and Cheez-It took over the Russell, the Camping World oh. Bowl. I think that's what happened there. Okay. That's so just dad confusion. And that bowl game, the first that used to be the that used to be the Emerald Nut Bowl, right? Yes, and the, possibly the Foster Farms Bowl too. Yes, we really need like a a, 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 a quick <laughs> we, bowl. We need uh, you, you Charlie know, from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia drawing us the yeah. <laughs> well, no. What I need is Jude Seymour spreadsheet person. <laughs> to like, this is where the bull started, and then go just the next names. Like, I know Wikipedia is really pretty, pretty, pretty good about Wikipedia is pretty. They good are really good about that. Yeah, keeping yeah. track of this stuff. So that's where I. Like I said, it. I. That's the only reason I know that uh, the cheese of bull now is what it started. The first bull that's really was uh, the blockbuster bull at a Penn State in Florida State, I think maybe. We're in that, and it was like a top ten, top five matchup. It was well, a, the it was year a that bowl. Boston College beat Notre Dame in '93, they went to the Blockbuster Bowl. That was yes. their bowl that year. Yes, yes. Which they were a what? They were a top fifteen team when we played yeah. them. Yeah, they were good. Yeah, they were legit. It wasn't a Phil Jerkovic. It wasn't a Phil Jerkovic Boston College <laughs> team. <laughs> no sir. <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad he stayed. Oh yeah. People think I'm crazy. People think I'm crazy about Jerkovic leaving and that he could be a top, you know, top one or two round draft pick. Then you guys haven't been paying attention to the NFL fucking draft. Like over the years, like here's a, here's a prototypical NFL style quarterback. All he has to do is go to the combine and show out, have some interviews, someone that needs a quarterback. they just, they scoop right in. Like, go look at the list of quarterbacks drafted over the last decade. Shit, don't make any sense there either. <laughs> Telling me that I'm so stupid. 
I'm dumb because I said Jerkovic could be a, a first, you know, round or two guy. <laughs> until he did it, until he would do it, I guarantee it would have happened. Someone would have fucking bit. It's just because the way they, it's just the way shit rolls. But I'm glad he's coming back. Uh, that way we get just <laughs> Foskey come back. You got you got one job to do, and that's to destroy that man. <laughs> Speaking of which, um, Kyron Williams and and Kyle Hamilton opting out. Obviously, I think we talked about that, and yep. we didn't talk about it being certain. Now it is certain, but we did talk about it obliquely yeah. in the last couple of podcasts. Again, as I said on Twitter and on this podcast. Happy for both of them. Kyron's got to go get that bag. He can't, he just can't beat up his body in college for free. That's dumb. And then Kyle just, I mean, this was, this was set in stone when he hurt himself in, in USC. Like let's go become a top yeah. five draft pick and, you know, add to the lore of Notre Dame football players in the NFL. So happy for both those. Guys. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is what it is. And I'll tell you what, I was surprised today because I, I was thinking about it uh, before Notre Dame had the practice today. And I was thinking, you know, even even though Tyree was, you know, second on the depth chart or whatever, I still felt like this was like Diggs was 1B at the end of the year or, or 2 after the end of the year. I guess Tyree brings something different and Diggs is more like Kyron. But I guess today, the, I mean, it was just more like Tyree was, uh, was top dog. So I, I don't know. I, I This is the second practice. I don't know how much. Stacker putting in anything, uh, but I am curious to see uh, see how Tommy goes about that now with you know who gets who gets what carries. And Freeman today talked about Estime punishing people out on the practice field. I love it, love it. Hey, whip, catch me whip up about for the bowl game. I didn't get to uh, I didn't get to read any of the coverage. Um, was there any injured person that came back and was practicing today? Blake Fisher and Maris Luafau both were. Um, Fisher had some contact, but there's still no, like, he's not going to play in the bowl game. Okay. Like, but, but Fisher was back with pads. And so he's, he's moving along pretty well. Um, probably farther along than what a lot of people were saying that they thought he was going to be at. So that's good news. Leo file was out there, but he's not going to be, I mean, he's not got to get any contact or anything like that. Yeah. So, um, was there anyone else that I'm missing? Uh, Sibo was not there at all. I, I, I wasn't expecting anything like Joe Wilkins or, I mean, he's done. Right. So, um, yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, um, trying to think if there was anybody else. I mean, that was really, that was the big two was Fisher. Oh, it, uh, Simon was there. Um, I think he was still in shorts though and all that. So, okay. I mean, nobody's coming, nobody really, anybody that everybody that was hurt beforehand is not right. There's no one coming back for the bowl game. So, um, but it, it's nice to see these guys moving along though. This leads me to to my next question, which is, did you see the debut episode of Hit and Hustle, the uh, YouTube possibly podcast with uh, our friend Greg Clement from uh, UHND and Jamie Uyama from uh, Our Sports Daily? I did not, but only oh, because sorry, <laughs> only because <laughs> I got a shit. No, 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 that's fine. That's fine. Only because I have a shitload of time to kill uh, over the next Monday and Tuesday nights. That's on the that's on the list. Gotcha. So well, I, I I need Greg made a point. For what I got to do on Monday Tuesday nights, I need something going on. <laughs> Fair enough. So and, and I, I, I chose to save that. Anybody uh, take the what I think it was thirty three minutes and and check out their debut episode or the pilot episode, whatever you want to call it. 
Uh, Greg made a point that that I believe that he's made to us privately uh, more than a few times, which I think is is right on, which is something that people I don't think really think about, which is, you know, Kyle has to ramp up and there's a certain danger um, in being, you know, not playing football and not practicing and then trying to get yourself ready for a for a football game, a a bowl game. Um, You know, you don't what you don't want to do is, okay. You feel a hundred percent healed, um, but you haven't practiced in six weeks. Right. And now you're trying to take two weeks or three weeks and get yourself ready bowl, you know, football game ready. Um, and so there's right. a certain, there's a certain, this isn't an NFL veteran that missed last, like this isn't a, a seven year NFL vet that missed half the season coming back to the playoffs, which, which is perfectly fine. This is a lot different. He's just, these, these are still young people like that. that, that Missing half a season is a lot of time, even for a kid as talented as, as Kyle Hamilton. And it's, it's a detriment. It could be a detriment to him physically for sure. Cause Greg, Mc, that, that's a great point. Um, and, you know, something that you could been in the back of, I think a few people's minds over that, over that time. And also, you know, that could be a detriment to the team in a way. Cause if Kyle's not ready or if he, if he starts to feel something going up, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. is he the best guy out there at that point then? Well, you know, and, I mean, and, I, and I hate to, it's not an apples to apples comparison, but I, I think of what Julian yeah. Love went through in the second quarter of that Clemson game in 2018, right? Which is like something happened where his brain was telling him that, that he wasn't, he wasn't ready to be out in that. He wasn't, he wasn't good to go out in that field. Like you could say he blinked, you could say he was, you know, he was, he was worried about something or he felt something or whatever you want to say. But like at the same time, like, if you have anything like that with Kyle Hamilton, you're absolutely right, Joshua. That hurts the defense. We're like, we're like, okay, well, okay, now Kyle's not in for this series, so this is our alignment. And is he coming back? Like, is he coming in on third down? Like, like, what's the, you know, like, what's the deal here, right? And you, so right. I think the 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 certainty of knowing he's not playing. This is who we got going forward. You know, it's, it's, uh, you know, DJ Brown and you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just the guy, Clarence Lewis with the guys we know we've had for the last six games and it's not yeah, trying Watts to been playing. Right. Yeah. And it's not trying to fit Kyle Hamilton into that because as Greg also mentioned on that podcast, he would have been on a pitch count. Right. And whether it was 20 out of oh, for sure. defensive plays or whatever, now you're like you're spot using him. Right. And so. I, I just, I, in some ways, which isn't a, which isn't itself, isn't a bad thing. Like if you, no, if you want to use Kyle, like on like certain down and distance or on, th- you know, on third down exclusively, and then a certain other down and distance that you can make that work pretty well. And look, if Notre Dame was in the playoffs, we wouldn't be having this conversation. <laughs> Kyle was probably, was going to probably play. Yeah. We would and then we're all like, was, we're all happy yeah. that Kyle, and then we're all happy that Kyle's playing. Uh, but I mean, I think the, the Greg's absolutely right. There's a critical way to look at this. And I think you can look at it from like a couple of different angles and it's all fine. It, it's all fine. And did you see, did you see my tweet out? Uh, was it yesterday, two days ago? Uh, a, a fun little Facebook comment. Uh, remind me. I like, might normally, have. I normally I don't tweet out Facebook comments because we all know how terrible the a lot of them are. Society. I could not, I could not help myself. This man, uh, whose profile pick was half painted gold and half painted green was talking about uh, how the NCAA needs to crack down on these kids uh, opting out of their bowl game. 
And people are just like, what are they supposed to do? Suspend the guy? <laughs> what the fuck, dude? I'm like, listen, people need – everyone needs to get over it. Like, it does, A, it doesn't matter what you think. And B, they don't care what you think. And C, the coaches, I think opinions are the ones I care about the most. And even those opinions don't fucking matter because it's not their body and their future. So – you know, Freeman's already had said that he was he's 100 percent supportive. I mean, what else is he supposed to say? Yeah. Uh, but well, but I mean, it's it, I, I it's suppose fun. he could have tried to throw a grenade on his on his own body like Mike Leach did and say, you know, there should be some uh, loyalty to the he's, team. I just don't get it these days. Like Mike Leach showed every bit of why he's a fucking dinosaur with that with those comments. It was just it's just it's dumb. I mean, first of all. To say nothing of the fact that the coaches leave, they don't have that loyalty yeah. to the team. And if Mike Leach had a had an offer that was too sweet to pass up, he wouldn't be sitting there talking about, "Well, I've got a loyalty to, you know, to uh, Texas Tech or Mississippi State or Washington State or whatever." He'd just be like, "Hey guys, uh, here's my forwarding address, and uh, gotta go, you know, gotta go." Yeah, exactly. Go. So yeah, so shut the fuck. So it sucks. Mike Leach. It sucks that Kyron's. That was the last we saw him. And I think um, I, I saw a lot of a pre, of Kyron appreciation this year, um, especially that second half about, you know, is Kyron the greatest Notre Dame running back of, you know, of our, of our time. And that's, those are some big words. You know, <laughs> stats don't really mean much to me. It's, it's more of the talent that has gone through there. And I can't argue against it. I mean, it's, we can we definitely really put him on the all Brian Kelly team, right? For running back position. Oh, yeah. I mean, that could, yeah, you can, you can put him on the all 30 years team. I mean, <laughs> it's it's going to fit. Yeah. Um, look, he's been, he's been amazing. Someone, another guy was Facebook. I got, I just wish that site blew up. A uh, guy went on and on about uh, just another Darius Walker. Like I never saw Darius Walker break anything more than the 15 yard fucking run. So no, this is, <laughs> this was, not, I really, I really cannot, I really cannot wait for you to listen to hit and hustle because they actually had this conversation too about oh Darius Walker versus Kyron Williams. And, you know, sort of, it's not even close. Yeah. And how, uh, Kyron Williams is sort of a hybrid of a lot of running backs we've seen from Notre Dame, but, but the best of all those, you know? So, right. Like I, what, look, I love Darius Walker and that, that guy put in, put in the work, put in the time, put in the yards. And he was like our only option for three years, literally yeah. our only option for three years. But I mean, dude, it is not even close to the level of, of, of play between the two. It's not even close. Uh, so <laughs> come on, come on. Like if you would, if you would to compare, if you would to compare Denson to, uh, to Kyron, that's it. You know, compare the twenty threes. That's a more. That's a fair. That's a fairer fight. But I mean, Kyron's just so god, he's so good. Uh, anyways, anyways, I just I appreciated the fans really start to appreciate him on that level because um, I don't think I was there uh, before the year started either. I mean, I was certainly. You know, thought he was a a great running back and all that, but I guess I never really thought of him on that level uh, until I guess kind of started seeing it tossed around. And once you start thinking about it, it's hard to 
it's hard to argue against it. So, and if you do, I think you're full. <laughs> All right, let's take a uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. We're gonna we're we're gonna talk a little crouton. Stay with us. All right, folks, we are back. So I said on the last podcast, I was just trying to get a hold of Tom Loy and do a little thing. Unfortunately, our schedules have not matched up, and he is busy as hell uh, because signing day is happening on Wednesday. You're going to listen to this on Monday, and we are getting right there. Um, Still hoping to get him before signing day, and if not, I'll definitely get him after. But if not, I do have our OFD recruiting insider, Jack Valor on hand. And we're going to talk to him and uh, see what he has to say. So Jack, welcome to the show. Uh, what's going on, bud? Ah, uh, you know me, I'm just, I'm here. I'm here. I'm, I'm going through these spreadsheets and uh, looking at these offers. Uh, just looking at what phone calls are getting made planes. Uh, Josh said, you had some questions, Jude, you, you want to go ahead and shoot them questions. Um, yeah, Jack, uh, <laughs> what's, uh, what are we looking at for Wednesday? Who's, how many are going to sign? Uh, who's still out there? Uh, give me the, the 30,000 foot view. Yeah. So all things are looking pretty good right now. <clears throat> I, I, I can't, I can't, I am Jack Valor. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't do that voice anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, I had a much more fun thing. It was going to involve Brendan too, but so his sickness ruined it for you guys. Sorry. Uh, 30,000 foot view, Jude. Um, look, we're still worried about CJ Williams. We're still worried about uh, Marion Walker and we're still have an eye on Devin Moore. Devin Moore decommitted, um, you know, shortly after Brian Kelly took off. Probably it probably didn't have a whole lot to do with Brian Kelly. Let's uh, put it that way. Uh, but he's looking at Florida um, which is significant because Florida hired uh, the defensive backs coach from LSU uh, that has been there for for a long time. Uh, but you know, there's good reports going on there. So we're we're expecting everybody to sign um, C.J. Williams. That's a back and forth between Notre Dame and USC. Depends on who you talk to. Some people feel good about him going uh, still signing with Notre Dame. Some people feel he'll flip to SC. Some people feel that this is gonna not end this week. This is going to go on uh, until uh, till the next signing day. So overall, things are pretty good shape. Ty Chan was uh, kind of up in the air for a mi- half a minute, uh, but that's all that's all solid. Um, and Notre Dame did just get a commitment from from Billy Shrouth. Finally, uh, a guy who we thought we had in the bag in July. Uh, Notre Dame finally got him to commit. Um, did you see that? Did you see? Did you yes. see that tweet from Mike Singer who said he he wrote up the Billy uh, commit in I think I think he said June of 2020 and put it, or August of 2020 and had it in his drafts ever since like that's how long he's expected this guy to commit to Notre Dame. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, yeah. it's a uh, it's a first kid from Wisconsin we've signed or that we're going to sign in over 20 years. That blew my mind when I heard that. I was like, I wish yeah. he was alive because I would definitely be like. Luke, could this possibly be true? Like, tell yeah, me the greatest players from Wisconsin now. I need to know. Yeah, and you know, Notre Dame doesn't have a whole lot of offers every year they go out to Wisconsin, but they do. They do do it. 
It's there's been um, there's been some close ones. There's been some you know n- not going to happen ones. This class in particular, there was a group of linemen. Uh, Shrouth was one of them. Hensman was one. Um, oh, there's there's another kid. His name is name escapes me. Ed Notre Dame was running, you know, second or one or one or two with uh, you know all of them uh, at one point. Uh, finally, you know, Shrouth came through, but it was really what he said about Kelly that I thought was <laughs> the best thing. Like, basically, he may not be here if Kelly was here. <laughs> You know, a lot of people are putting this on Quinn, uh, but had some comments about Kelly. So yeah, I don't know. That's that's a big deal right now. Notre Dame's uh, got the number five recruiting class in the country. And look, I understand that there's more commitments on the way for other schools, but a lot of those guys are already ahead of Notre Dame in the team rankings. Like it's Alabama, Georgia, Texas A&M, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State, uh, Texas, North Carolina. So like Penn State and Texas are are pretty close to Notre Dame right now, and they're right behind them. But like it doesn't matter if someone goes if like the next twenty commitments go to A&M and Georgia and Ohio State, they're already ahead of us. So it's just and it doesn't matter if Notre Dame finishes five or seven or eight even in this class. It is a really good recruiting class right now, and it's going to be one of the best we've had in you know during during the Kelly era, uh, and so we should be happy about that. Whether it's five or like I said six, seven, eight, whatever, this is a good solid class, top to bottom. Fills a lot of holes, takes care of takes care of a lot of positions for us. Wide receiver is the one that could be. <laughs> could really help us out or it could be really shitty <laughs> uh, if things don't roll, uh, you know, our way come uh, when it's all said and done. So how many, what's the number of that they're going to sign on Wednesday? Right now there's 23 commitments. Okay. <clears throat> and so if all 23 stick, which I, again, I mean, it could be 21 to 23 guys sign on right. Wednesday. Okay. And I don't think like in some previous years, there's been guys that have been kind of like came on late and have signed like Friday. I think maybe Ramon Henderson was one. Um, I know Asa Turner was a, was a battle between Wednesday and for that Friday with Washington. Um, but I don't really don't know if there's any names that have really emerged uh, other than that. You know, they, they may get, they may get Devin Moore back in the fold. So that there's 24. Um, but I've said for, this entire cycle, Notre Dame could probably take 28, 29 kids in this class without question. Uh, just because of a the early enrollee uh, factor, but B because you got you still have COVID, you still have COVID guys on, on that scholarship chart. You know what counts, what doesn't count. And I felt like a, a big class they could definitely pull off this year after a big class last year. Okay, and any. Surprises are the guys committing on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday that where Notre Dame is in the mix. No, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I, really, the big thing here so is there's keeping no, everyone uh, in the fold. I was just thinking about well, that. Devin, I mean, from, Devin Moore, right, the quarterback from Florida, and that's really it. Um, I, I know there's some quarterback names out there. 
like to add another quarterback to this class. But I don't know if that if that would be popping off, you know, like this time around or not. Um, doesn't feel like it would be, um, or you know, this early. Uh, but eh, no, I, I I I'm not expecting any big good surprises other than um, maybe more. Okay, and so after. Um... Wednesday, what is your position that you're most concerned about and what position do you think is set up the best for, say, the next four years? Uh, that's a good question. Um, well, I – all right, so I got, I got two of them here. Wide receiver, definitely, because I, I feel like Notre Dame, numbers-wise, they literally have next year on the scholarship chart, there is a big donut in the senior and junior class. Now, they have – four guys, Lindsey, Austin, Wilkins, and Davis, that could be there for fifth as five fifth year guys. Um, but having donuts for a position that you need a lot of guys at anyways, and two of your top class, that's, that's, that, that's a big question. You, they got three guys in the fold right now. They could they probably should have took five and we could have that argument about, you know, Dell and the whole three number. I think that was, <coughs> excuse me, going to get, get thrown to the wayside anyways this year, if they could have, um, but wide receiver does does make me a little bit nervous. Um, the fact that they are offering other quarterbacks makes me nervous about Angeli. I'm not sure what that's all the way about. I think they have a lot of faith in Angeli and as the top guy, but bring another guy in. But I mean, even Walker Howard, who was last seen doing uh, a, a square dance with Brian Kelly under a strip lights, was you know if you bring him in, I. I wasn't exactly sure what they're doing there. I won't say it's concerned. I wasn't exactly sure what they're doing there. Um, and then maybe safety, um, not maybe, but safety uh, for sure. DJ Brown be a fifth year guy next year. Um, Xavier Watts um, looked really good. And I, I think I still have Ramon Henderson as a corner, but Watson Henderson will be juniors next year. That's all good and dandy. Kari Gee, we haven't seen yet, but, I heard some good things. Justin Walters looked really good in the spring as a freshman. So I haven't seen anything yet. So they did do have Jaden Bellamy in this class, but adding, eh, it's just such an important position and you're losing such a big name like Kyle Hamilton. Uh, maybe you'd like to have a bigger gun coming behind. And I know Xavier and was, could have been that guy, but he chose to go to Iowa. So whatever. <laughs> Uh, but like the ones I'm most intri- probably the best shape that we're in. Um, I mean, offensive line without question, Pete Samson put out the tweet and it is like one of the favorite things about uh, Notre Dame's recruiting uh, this cycle that the top 30 offensive line commitments, in my conference SEC has eight top 30 offensive line commitments as a conference. That's great. Notre Dame has four. Yeah. Notre Dame itself has four. ACC itself has four. Big Ten itself has four. So Notre Dame is recruiting better than out of the offensive line than every conference in the country combined, other than the SEC, who has eight spread throughout their members. And most of them, and most of those are probably Bama. Mm. They got a pretty good offensive line all coming in. Uh, so that's, you know, duh. Notre Dame recruits well in the offensive line. And it, but it's really solid this time around. I mean, 
Dolly Strouth was a big piece of that. Ashton Craig, who's not as celebrated as much, uh, but coming in as a center, uh, I think we're finding out, you know, like, hey, that's people should know that's an important, important position to recruit and, and to have, to have a guy come up through the ranks. Uh, and then Joey Tonona, Ty Chan, and Emil Wagner at ta- as tackles. Uh, Shroudmore is a guard. It's this is a great class, and you just in the class before that, you know, you had Rocco and F- and Fisher and Joe Alt. I mean, <laughs> you know, along with Caleb Johnson and Pat Coogan, they really had done a great job. It's no surprise there. But also, you know, linebacker. I I, I don't know how you couldn't say that they. They've been knocking it out there, too, as well. Uh, you know, we've talked about this on some pods before, and, and Greg and I both had some massive concerns uh, like halfway through the last cycle, uh, you know, before they got Prince Kali and then Kia right, right there to the end. Like, they need some numbers here. Well, they certainly got it in this class uh, with Nolan Ziegler, Joshua Burnham, uh, Junior Tuahalamaka, and then Jalen Sneed, who's uh, – you know, could be the second coming of, of Jalen Smith. And so that, wow. that's huge. I mean, that it's, Oh, Snead's Snead's legit. He's fucking super legit. Uh, so having that, that massive haul in for this class and not just bodies, these guys are all, uh, you know, high four stars, Snead, a borderline five star guy. This is a really good haul. So best hauls, definitely offensive line. I, and I got to throw a linebacker in there too, as well. And hey, they signed a six. They're going to get a six-star putter. <laughs> so I think you might have just tipped your answer here, but I got to ask anyways. I know this is early. I know the guys haven't signed yet, but putting you on the spot, if you had to pick one guy who you think is going to be absolute lock uh, three years from now to be, you know, declaring for the NFL draft, Kyle Hamilton style, who would you put your money on at this point? <sighs> Okay. I got a cheat answer first. Okay. Okay. I got a very cheaty answer first. Then I'll give you my legit answer. The cheat answer is running back Jadarian Price because he's a running back. Okay. Like he should only be here three years. And, and he's really fucking good. He had a great season this year. Um, I know we were upset about missing out on Singleton, but Jadarian Price is legit and doing it down in Denison, Texas. Dude, dude's really fucking good. Uh, I believe he's an early, yeah he's an early enrollee too. He should be gone after three years. Uh, but my legit answer is actually uh, tight end Eli Raritan. Oh okay. A kid out of Iowa who chose not to go to Iowa. His dad Scott played on the offensive line for was recruited by Bob Davey played for, played for Ty Willingham. That so we're Ooh. all showing our age there. Wow. Uh, but he's really fucking good. He was a three-star prospect not too long ago, and it's just blown up. So uh, he, had Eli when had he, was a, he had Eli when he was in school, right? Is that how the math works yeah, out there's, on that? Yeah, there's a dope picture of, uh, of, of Scott at practice holding him as a baby. Uh, so, uh, so, so that's pretty cool. Uh, but I, I think he's legit. And I think Notre Dame is tight end U is, is certainly the case, and he's going to have plenty of competition but he's 6'6", 230, 235 right now. He's got the build. Go watch his highlights. He had a great senior year. Looks really good doing it. He is truly a man amongst boys out there. You know, I'm not going to put him on Michael Mayer's level right now, uh, but 
he can certainly uh, put in the Michael Mayer production, I think, uh, given, uh, you know, once he gets to South Bend. Nice. So I know, know that wasn't the name of the lock you're looking for, but. No, I, I always uh, find that really interesting. And I think I've been pretty upfront about the fact that I got burned out trying to follow recruiting a couple of years back and really haven't tried to come back to it. And I find that once I go in for a penny, I really go in for pounds. So I, I rely on you and, <laughs> and Greg and, and, and Brendan um, to, to keep me kind of up to date on who the names to, to, to know are. But, um, you know, I kind of use the cheat answer, which is like, oh, I'll worry about them when they get on campus or whatever. But, um, you know, it's fun. It's fun at this at this point. And, um, you know, I'm really excited mostly about 2023 because I just want to see Marcus Freeman getting after it. Um, I just want to see if he yeah, can for a whole cycle. Yep. Yeah. I want to see if he can grab guys that we would have never dreamed possible under, under Brian Kelly. Um, and I think it's possible because I think he, not only is he going to recruit like a dog, but he's going to hire people, uh, that have recruiting at the forefront of their minds. And I don't think Brian, that was a, you know, Brian Kelly paid lip service to that, but I don't think Brian Kelly ever really uh, made that a priority in terms of his hiring decisions. So, which is just amazing with him being out of the SEC now that, <laughs> that's the case. Best of um, luck, man. Yeah, 2023. What's funny is I am like fully prepared to like smack anybody who talks about anything but the 2022 cycle right now. Sure. <laughs> you know, like we're cleaning. Like, but Notre Dame's 2023 class is worthy of being discussed a little bit because they're they're number two in the team rankings right now. Uh, but they've just they've been they've been getting commitments from these kids really. Fucking solid. I mean, this is a a very elite start for Notre Dame. This is as good as what you know, Bama, Georgia, and Ohio State do right off the jump. I mean, it's this is elite talent uh, on that 2023 uh, commit list so far, and I am very curious to see how that affects you know the whole operation with with Freeman. Um, you know, I think most fans are like they're dying and waiting for that big five star quarterback. Maybe that happens now. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Uh, but I all I can say is that if it's going to get done, Marcus Freeman's can can do is going to do it. You know, like he's going to put everything he can into getting the best talent uh, that he can to Notre Dame. And so I think there's a certain amount of like uh, there's less stress for me over that. You know what I mean? Like with Kelly, it was like, is he going to do it or not? With Freeman, at least I know he's given it everything he has. Right. It's, it, with everything that Notre Dame has to offer, I think you're going to see really good results. And if they don't get a kid or two, I'm not going to. I don't. I don't think I'm going to beat myself over the head wondering why Freeman couldn't get this kid locked up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, what didn't he do? Like you're not going to say what didn't he do. Um, but you know, maybe this. Maybe they, I'm putting. Maybe I'm putting you on the spot. Maybe this is something you can't answer. But do you think? Right that a 35 year old black man plays better in a household uh, where you're recruiting predominantly African American yes. student athletes without question. Well, I mean, it's without question. Yeah. I mean, dude, let's think about it like this. Number one, number one is just, it's Marcus Freeman is a, is a genuine, honest person from what we could tell. Like he, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of like realness to Marcus Freeman. Um, Brian Kelly was always talked about like as like a politician. So I think he knew the right things to say 
where I think Marcus Freeman just says the right things or says what he thinks is right for, for him. You know what I mean? So, so that Marcus comes Freeman, off in one way. Marcus Freeman would never eat burn ends in somebody's household while also taking a call for another job. Well, that's that, that's a cold, that cold ass move. But <laughs> also on top of that, he, Freeman is at that age where he is still very relatable to, to late teen, early 20 guys. But he's also at the age where he is very relatable to young parents. I mean, you know, my parents had me when they were, when they were 20 years old. So, you know, when they were 38, 39, I was in college. So that's, and that's a case for a lot of players out there. I mean, no matter what inner city or black, white, Asian, whatever, you know, there's still young parents out there. So having that kind of age, it's just, there's a relatability there. Um, and again, I think just him being who he is, is going to be more, is going to come off better than Brian Kelly pretending to be the man that he's supposed to be. And I, I'm not trying to, I'm not taking a swing at, at Kelly on that. I mean, he is who he is. No, I think I'm taking but, a swing at like six year old white guys and how relatable they are in terms of like, just uh, uh, what do I want to say? Like well, understanding the, understanding the, the sort of meme culture, the, the language, the, the, the I'll, joke. Well, let me ask you, you this. I mean? Like how the, the, the real question though is, isn't, is he going to be the real question is how important is that? Because that may not be, I mean, that may not be all that important for some recruits or some recruits families. Like, they don't care if you're relating to them. They want to know what the school can offer them. They want to know what the program can do for them. And <clears throat> so I, th- I think maybe we make too much of that. Like just, just because like Marcus Actually, Freeman is an African-American, I what? think we made too much of that when Ty Willingham got hired. I know I did. I thought, I thought, okay, here's a, here's a big recruiting win for Notre Dame. They're, you know, they have a, an African-American head coach now that can, that can relate to the guys that, and he didn't put in any of the work. Right. So, we didn't really we didn't know how that was going to work out. But at the same time, even as bad as a coach he was, there's still a lot of players that played for Ty that swear by him, that love the man. So, so you know, I mean, yeah, I, I guess I, I guess maybe I want uh, if I'm if I'm present, I'll ask it myself. But if, if, I'm, if I'm not, if you talk to Tom Loy, I would love to hear what Tom thinks is the biggest um, benefit in terms of being able to relate to either the the prospective student athlete or their parents being 35 or being, um, a, you know, Asian African American. Right. Right. Yeah. I, it'll definitely come off better. He's look, Marcus Freeman's going to be able to understand things that Brian Kelly has only read about. <laughs> and I think, I mean, that's just, that's not, again, that's not a knock on Kelly. How's he supposed to, you know, he can't change that. He's a 60 year old white guy. No, it's just, it is what I it just, is. I was thinking about it today but it's, because, because but it had, definitely is. I'm just saying it definitely does help that there, at least when, you know, a parent's talking to this guy, he comes off, you know, it's genuine. Yes. But also like, Hey man, this guy can understand what we're going through just as, you know, on a day to day life and think and things of that nature. So, and I mean, how much weight, that probably depends on again, the recruit and his family, how much weight they put into that, but it doesn't hurt. It only, I think it only helps. 
Yeah. I was just, uh, it got me thinking a little bit, like, because, you know, right before we hit record on this podcast, we were watching Brian Kelly dance with Walker Howard, right? And, um, and, and you know, Brian Kelly's got this, the moves I would expect for a six-year-old white guy, which is to say moves that are basically no. like mine or my dad's, right? Which is like, not at all, right? Like, this, I, I know that they're playing with the rhythm and the, the slow-mo and stuff like that, but it just, he looks kind of like he doesn't belong out in a dance floor. Like, I got to think Marcus Freeman as a 35 year old brings some swag to that, um, to that dance so that if he were back to back with Walker Howard, that he would actually make it look like dope instead of like cringe. I'm going to be perfect. I'll be perfectly honest with you. If that was Marcus Freeman, that wouldn't have been done. I think the reason how that, I think I, the video as cringy as it is of Brian Kelly doing that, I think the point was that he's a fun old guy. Like, like Marcus Freeman dancing, <laughs> dancing good next to recruit doesn't really say much other than, yeah, he relates. <laughs> I, but I, I think, I think uh, the, the surface, it's hard to get past the surface uh, yeah. with, with that Kelly video, but I think underneath it just shows like a willingness, a, a willingness to do anything, uh, at least a perceived willingness to do anything and be a, a to try to, you know, he, he's with it. He may not, he may not have the moves, but he's with it. I don't know. So, I you just, don't, so I, okay. That's interesting. And I hadn't thought of it from, from that perspective, but let me ask you a question. If a freak base type opportunity shows up oh, the Jesus. first couple of months here, is Marcus Freeman getting dragged into this? No, no. Okay. He's, he, I, well, how do I want to call it? Because he has NDFIM better, has evolved beyond freak base or because well, so therefore that opportunity yeah, is really number one. Good. That wasn't, that wasn't, that wasn't MDFIM that did that. That was, no, it was FTT. Uh, it was Ted Mandel. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I think, ah, God damn it. I can't find the word I'm looking for. I <sighs> Freeman would be more savvy. I, it's not the word I want to use, but about the perception of him and the program in that sense, like you, anybody with half a fucking brain can look at that and be like, what the fuck was that? Like our age, but like six year old Brian Kelly didn't, or I guess he was 50 then or whatever. didn't even matter. Stiff BK didn't know. Like, Oh yeah, you know, this, this looks great. I mean, who knows what he knew? What did you know? And when did you know it? Uh, going in, Wasn't going there in, an oral history of this? Can we look back and look at the oral history? I guess what I'm saying is Marcus Freeman has shown in his previous stop with Cincinnati to be game for a couple of cool, I thought cool kind of things. The quarantine family, full house parody the thing. Dope, yeah. yeah, the, um, the what was it, Super Smash Brothers, sort of like um, choose your, choose your uh, you know. Yeah. To choose your battle mate sort of thing or whatever with his wife. That was, I thought that was cool. Um, no, I think I see, I don't even know if I'm making the right references cause I'm 42 and I actually don't even know if it was super smash brothers. I just, it's, it's choose your character. I think it's more of like a mortal Kombat thing. Okay. Fair but, enough. And I don't play, and I don't play video games, but <laughs> I, I just think, yes, Marcus Freeman is going to have a better sense of those things, but I think he's also going to, and he, he's going to have to, he's going to be, careful about the perception that gets put out about him. You know, you know what I mean? I think that he's really, he's a, he's a player's coach and that's all fine and dandy, but he, ha- but I think that there's just certain things 
where he'll, he'll be you know, able to say, make sure hey, the guys, perception is. I'm sorry, this is just too cringe. Like he'll be able to walk away from something, is what you're saying. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess okay. that's. He's not going to get talked into some some cringe shit like that. I don't some, believe some freak base level <laughs> shit. <laughs> where, listen, you went to Notre Dame, you know, like half of. I love you guys. Half of them are just nerds that don't, you know, they're there. They're not sure what's really cool. You know, so the people yeah. working in those, on those Remember projects, the guy like, who tried to do yeah, like the, the rap, uh, that was like a very like Hamilton esque rap that was about like the fighting Irish or whatever. And it was just like, God, you guys are so fucking well, I mean, white. And I say this is the whitest it, person I know, you know, it's not, it's not, you know, and it's not, there's a long list of bad rap videos for colleges <laughs> there, all over the country. There is Purdue. <laughs> Purdue tops it. that list. It's just, it's, I don't know. And it's just, I, I'm hoping we're past that point anyways, but just to get back to the major point. Yes. <laughs> I believe Marcus Freeman will, will make an impact um, inside the living rooms with, you know, with families of, of similar ethnic bath, uh, backgrounds because it's more relatable for them, for sure. Um, but I think in the end, you know, what Notre Dame offers, the, you know, the prospective student and what Marcus Freeman can give, you can give them inside the athletics. I think all that's going to come together, but it doesn't hurt to have a little grease, right? Sure. That's a good point. Good summation. So, yeah, I mean. I know what I'm talking about sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, uh, I don't know. So look, signing day is coming up Wednesday. I, I get like, I blame myself for the monkey paw because who on this podcast has bitched more about, I miss the drama. I miss the drama of the one signing day. Remember how fun that used to be. Remember yeah. we didn't know, we didn't know, we didn't yeah. know it's so much fun. Definitely monkey pot. Now look at me. I'm like, God damn it. CJ Williams might be gone. <laughs> like, I'm like, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I thought about that the other day. I'm like, I blame me. I, I, this, is, I blame, this is my fault. I always blame you. <laughs> this, is, this, is fucking, this is all my fault for any kind of this, this nonsense. Uh, um, so who knows? I don't know. The, the funny thing is about CJ Williams is Lincoln Riley never offered him. While he's at Oklahoma. And it's just like, I don't know how you get over that. It's yeah. December. It's a couple weeks for signing day. And now all of a sudden you're like, Hey, I'm coming to USC. Let's go. Like there's ways that I can imagine the way, the reasoning that, that Riley gives to him about that. But if I'm a recruit, I'm looking at that. Like, no, like yeah. you have like five commitments. You're, you guys suck. You're going to bring in like, I, I don't know. If CJ Williams chooses USC over Notre Dame in the end, it has to do so much more has to do with the perceived notion of, of Riley as well as just like, cause Williams is from Santa Ana, California. I mean, just right. it's, you know, which never seemed to be a factor. And he, it, look at this may all be nothing, but it just, I don't get, I don't get how a recruit could overlook a, a top end recruit like Williams, because this isn't just some, he's not just some random three star, right? That, that would, that could get definitely overlooked by a school sure. by Oklahoma because they got all these four or five star receivers. You're a top notch guy. You are the, the sixth best player in the state of California. And Act Oklahoma like it's son. Offer, 
<laughs> yeah, and it's Oklahoma. You didn't offer me? The fuck's wrong with you? Like, I would have, personally, I would have that kind of problem. Like, I already made up my mind. I know what I want and this and that. Like, I know about this place. What? You didn't even want me in Oklahoma. Why do you want me at SC? And I don't think there's a reason that Riley could give me, if I was in that, that case, where it would put me over the edge. But that's me. That's you, yeah. And I'm looking at it from a perspective of a 43-year-old father of three hooligans. Uh, Who would never go to UC if his life depended on it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm, not a, I'm not a 19-year-old uh, blue-chip prospect. <laughs> so, uh, I, uh, you just reminded me of I one of my— relate. When I when I did follow recruiting, one of my one of my saddest things was I really liked. Uh, I think his name was Caleb Kelly. He ended up going. I think it was a linebacker. Ended up going, maybe defensive end. Went went up to Oklahoma. And one of the Line, things linebacker, was, linebacker, linebacker. Yeah. But he's surprised though. Yeah, one of the things he said was yes, which is plays into the narrative that we never get guys from Fresno, even though we we continue <laughs> to recruit them. Um, he said something to the effect of, "I just felt like Oklahoma needed me more," and I was like, "Damn!" Like. Like he, he like, he was like kind of acknowledging, like he wasn't going to the better team. He was just going to the team in which he thought he could play and be a, be, have more of an impact. And it's just like, ah, like I hated losing you know, guys I, for, for the, that reason, you know? And with a guy like Williams, that's like, just point him to the scholarship chart. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> sir, you are, sir, you are needed. Sorry. Like we need you, you like, are, the bowl I'll game. start you tomorrow. <laughs> Can you play in the bowl you know, game? <laughs> Uh, by, by the way, I uh, just popped up while we're recording. Bo Nix, Auburn quarterback, transfer portal. Oh. Okay. It's crazy. It is. Right? Started Wait, there for the uh, signed with Texas, I believe, right? Or was is going to sign with Texas? Quinn Ewers did, yeah. Yeah. So that I one. just is, is Tate Martell into his seventh year yet? And what what D two college has he finally made it to? I thought he was at Utah State now. Oh, I thought it was UNLV, but yeah, it's maybe it is UNLV. And it was a school out west. Go reps, go. Well, when I was doing the uh, Notre Dame put out the official thing for for the schedule, I started to write. I started just eviscerating Jack Swarbrick because I forgot that the uh, um, oh just. There's the, the stretch of BYU and UNLV and Cal. Yeah. Like all this. What I for some reason one of those games I thought was at Notre Dame. I'm like, or was on the was on the road. It was Stanford. Maybe it was Stanford. I thought we were going back out to Stanford. Yeah. Obviously we were, but I just in my mind I'm looking at it because it was like back to back. Like what the fuck are we doing going out west back to back? Like, oh God yeah. Damn, and we are not. We're not. <laughs> But there's a solid of like 30, 30 seconds while I'm hammering away at the keyboard. Like, what the fuck is this shit? <laughs> like, oh, wait, wait. Didn't quite I, uh, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to formally invite every listener of the OFD podcast to join us uh, Saturday, October 29th, when Notre Dame makes its triumphant return to Syracuse, New York's Carrier Dome for a game that she'll probably not live I'm up not to any hype. What's I that? am not sold yet, Jude. I'm not sold. <laughs> well, first of all, if you make it I, to Syracuse, I'm fucking driving you to Oneana so we can have cold cheese on pizza, and we're gonna we're gonna settle this oh, Jesus. for all. All right, listen. I have five like very cold dollar bills that I took from the cops in Texas. <laughs> that says that this game gets moved 
to a, another stadium before April. Okay. I'll take that action. I, and I felt more strongly about this until you said Syracuse was to show off some shit that they did at the carrier dome. Yeah. They made some renos. Okay. Is it, are they major renos though? Oh, well they redid the dome. So this is going to show my lack of interest in carrier dome renovations, but basically they took the old top and they, they completely deflated it and made new construction and inflated it. And now you don't have that weird, I I believe you don't have that weird effect now where they can't actually air condition something named after an air conditioning company. So it should be a little (laughs) bit more, should be a little bit more climate control. I just, I've, this is funny. I'm betting you against the against yourself in a way, because I was so sold on uh, before talking about like Syracuse wants this somewhere else because of the money pool and blah blah blah. I think, and I look. I don't know as far as schedules go. Is maybe MetLife is booked that day. I just have a feeling that it's going to get moved to a different stadium. I just do. Maybe they could move to Buffalo. <laughs> play on Richfield or whatever they call it now. Uh, Highmark Stadium, I believe it is. So is it, It'll always be Richfield to me. <laughs> Fair like, enough. I am perpetually stuck in like 1994 NFL <laughs> action. <laughs> so what do you call the Dolphin but, Stadium? Or like night. And what's funny for me is though, as a Packer fan, that's only one starting quarterback back. Oh, Wow. What do you call the Dolphin Stadium for nineteen? What would what would be the nineteen ninety four version of the Dolphin Stadium? Oh, what was that? It was um, I wasn't pro player answer. stadium. No, it was before that. I'm gonna say Joe right. Robbie. Joe Robbie. Stadium. It was the Robbie. It was, was yeah. the Rob. Yeah. Kind of like well, it's like everybody still fucks up calling the Chargers San Diego Chargers. Oh yeah. Jack. Still Jack. do that. Kingdom, Seattle in the Kingdom. <laughs> the Lions in the Silver Dome was first time. That was the first place I ever saw a uh, first NFL game uh, live. Went up to the Silver Dome, watched Green Bay just trounce uh, Detroit, and I who must was, have been talking. I, who was I think it was only like eleven. That day. Was it, it was magic? Uh, yeah, it was magic. Ah, it was going to be magic. And uh, I must have talked to a ton of shit to a Lions fan because. I didn't really realize that I had said so much shit that uh, dad was about to get into a fist fight with this guy. Ooh. So, Ooh. The front, a friend of my dad's that we went up with just thought that was the funniest shit. We, he, uh, he looked like Andre, the giant. We called him big Mike. He looked like, a, and he just fucking was just bellowing laughing thinking that my mouth was <laughs> got to get, get dad in a fight up there in the fucking silver. <laughs> uh, it was a terrible play. Ford fields. Not great, but it's a lot better than the Silver Dome. Uh, that's a low bar to clear, though, right? Yeah, no, it's very, very low. Although, you know, Barry Sanders out on that field, whew, that's something else. That was wow. something else. Uh, so yeah, I just, I, I don't know what I'm going to ask Tom if I get a hold of him about this class, because I think some of it's like backstory, which they will, he won't divulge until. After it's all said and done, which yeah. he does a really good, you know, kind of behind the scenes um, uh, compilation of things. 
But I mean, this is a it's a big time class, regardless of what happens. Jalen Sneed, five star, five star. That's all you gotta say, five star. Top. I mean, Jalen Smith like that. That's his athleticism. Um, you know, it, we're, I'm sitting here hammering about CJ Williams, and like, yeah, that's the number. That's the second best recruit in this class, is CJ Williams. So that's ridiculously important. Uh, but there's like Tobias Merriweather. He's the one of the <laughs> the father served the burn ends to yep. Kelly. Emil <laughs> uh, Wagner, big pickup out of Ohio. And that was a kid that, you know, I did not. I, I was sold that he was going to Kentucky. His brother's there as a as a GA or a or an analyst or, or something like that. And I think everybody was pretty pretty sold that he was going to Kentucky. He's out of Wayne High School, which is the same high school as Freeman and Mike Mickens. Um, and so there was some trust there with the family and, and all that, but did not think that was going to get done. And it did. That's a, that's, that was a big one, you know, but guys have been committed for a, a long time. Like Ty Chan, like Joey Tonona. I mean, he, uh, Tonona committed in July of 2020, you know, you know almost basically a, a top 150 prospect. Um, you know, Eli Raritan was, I mean, yeah, no duh. Notre Dame recruits offensive line and tight ends. Well, <laughs> what I talked about the most tonight, I think, but it's just, it was huge. Jadarian price is a big pickup. I think he was underrated in the sense of when he committed back in February, you know, we had our eyes on like some other guys. We called him the big three, even, you know, like, um, saw Chuck and, and Singleton. And uh, I can't think of the other kids name for the life of me right now, but you know, like, yeah, price is great, but there's this big three. We kept saying the big three. And then that didn't happen. And it's like, oh, you're disappointed. But then you look at it, you're like, watch his season, watch what he's done. It's like, oh, shit. This guy's really, really fucking good. Kind of like, like how we were last year with uh, Will Shipley versus Audric Estime versus, right? All this Logan Diggs. Yeah, except I was more in line with that earlier, though. You know what okay. I mean? Like, or I mean, I came up with that idea. <laughs> I'm the one who was selling, they're selling for people on that one. Like this is the combo is better than the kid. And I still, and I still agree to that, especially, and I was wrong because I thought estimate was the jewel of the two and he still may be, but we saw this fresh, you know, this freshman year, how good Logan Diggs has been like his potential. You're like, Holy shit. So like Notre Dame got a steal in my, it, like I would rather have Diggs and estimate than Shipley. Like, Still to this day. And Shipley was starting for Clemson this year. So I stick by my guns on that one. But Price Price is on that level. He's a he's a kid that's gonna be hard to keep him off the field. Um as a freshman. He's good. Um I really thought they could have went after Drew Aller, um, who shot up the recruiting rankings. I think they could have got after him a, a sooner, which would have helped them. Uh, he eventually ended up at Penn State. Uh, but Tommy really liked Angeli, uh, and that was his guy from the jump. So that's why you hire him, right? Yeah, you're like, all right, you know, that's the guy. If that's the guy you want, that's the guy you want, and and I'm cool with that. Um, but like, uh, Aiden Gobera was, you know, a skinny three-star kid out of Virginia. They didn't have a, a fall season last year. They played in the spring, and then he committed. Uh, um, I think in February of this year. And we kind of got that spring season. He kind of started blowing up and we're like, Oh man, this, this kid might be all right. And then boom, 
you know, it's just, he's had a hell of a year. He shot out the recruiting um, uh, rankings pretty good. So I, there's a lot of, I mean, it's a big class, a lot of good names here. Hey, guess what? We got another fucking Heinish. So we literally could have a Heinish right? for a decade. Yes. For a decade, you could have a Heinish on the roster. That's I don't hate that. Why would you not want that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, subscribe. Yeah. Yep. Just give me that. We had Kurt for five years. We're going to get Donovan for five years. Let's just sign me up. Uh, so, and then Amoria Walker, look, I, I think I do end up thinking that he ends up flipping to Michigan. I think Michigan really loves this whole game that they play with the, with the bullshit like they did with McGregor. Um, it, I just, I, I don't know. There's a lot of smoke there and I know, you know, there's recruiting insiders from Notre Dame that I think he ends up sticking, but I just got one of those feelings. It's going to be one of those dumb things. And it's like a signing day flip and Harbaugh won and like do the chug some milk and go run some laps. Uh, kind of thing. Yeah. And it's like, like, look, it's, it's kind of funny. Like Notre Dame went after this kid early and for as much shit as, as you know, someone brought up Driscoll Driscoll gave Notre Dame a ton of shit. For, for signing him early, just this three-star kid. But he's he, he's looked at in, in a, as a lot better prospect than that three-star ranking, even though yeah. he's still three-star. So if he, I guess what I'm saying is, though, shouldn't he have gone up to a four-star? Like, shouldn't he? Shouldn't his rankings even, be Even right? Kyle went up by now, damn it. Yeah, it's like that didn't happen. So where are we at here? I understand he's you know, a raw prospect all that, but like – He's literally the last, the lowest ranked non-punter in the class. So if Michigan's playing games to flip our lowest rated non-punter in the class. Go go do it. Go be, go be Michigan. So I kind of feel that he, that enjoy your joggers. Damn it. But I'll be, I'll be ecstatic if he puts pen to paper and for Notre Dame, I'm like Notre Dame needs these guys. It's, I mean, they need him now. <laughs> so I, I have no doubt Notre Dame is going to be hitting that transfer portal in the offseason. You know, who who's available, who they can get, I don't know as of yet. Bo Nix won't play a receiver. Uh, but <laughs> Have you asked? <laughs> I, you know, I think I think Nix has a touchdown reception, though, against Jordan. Did he, did he catch one? Didn't they run a trick play and he caught a touchdown against Oregon? You know, I honestly don't know, but that sounds funny. Uh, I swear he did like his freshman year. Nah, maybe I'm just rejecting right now. I swear, swear that's in my head though. But anyways, um, like it is a solid, it's better than us. It's a great class. It, it could be the, the stretch of time. And I, and I love asking Tom this question because it, it's almost, it happens every year between between the two signing days, there will be a name or two that happens for Notre Dame. Yeah. And I'm really curious about that. It's kind of, most times it's a kid that we haven't heard about this whole cycle. It kind of cracks me up about this whole. Like uh, Noah Boykin, thing. right? Is it Noah yeah, Boykin? that was, yeah, to, to some extent, to some extent. 
Um, but we were, you know, we were recruiting Boykin pretty hard throughout the whole cycle. Right. Uh, but just, I, I don't know, like, uh, Jeremiah Wusukormoa is one. Um, uh, oh, the Jordan Genmar Keith was another. Mm-hmm. You know, just it's kind of these kids that just kind of pop up in the, that last stretch. They didn't sign on Wednesday. They're free. They're they're Byron, fair game. Byron was a late signing too, wasn't he? Who's that? Byron Tungavoa Yes. Yeah, he was a late sign. So, I mean, uh, <laughs> Kelly's most famous late signing of all time. Bruce Eggy. I thought you were uh, going to say Tyler Stockton. No, you Tyler's uh, on the come up on the coaching circuit, though. That's true. So th- there will be a name or two that pop up and we'll see. Maybe, again, maybe someone's got a good idea about who that might be right now. Um, I don't know. So. It's going to be interesting, but it's a day to celebrate, man. Don't get too down if if someone flips or whatnot. This is this is still a great class. Uh, there's a lot of of pieces in here that could help Notre Dame win a national championship. That if that's the only important thing in the world to you, hey, we got we got plenty of those pieces here. Um, they could definitely help help us do that. So ah, let's let's do it. <laughs> Uh, is that it, Jack? Yeah, that's it for now. <laughs> Jack Valor coming at you. <clears throat> oh, shit. All right. Jude, you got anything to, uh, to close out? Uh, I just want to clean up one thing I said earlier. Walt Patulski. Patulski. I think I said Paluski. Patulski. 1972. Hmm. First round. First pick overall. Last, overall. Their name's last yeah. number one overall pick. Went to Buffalo. He was a defensive end. So that's all I got. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, was, I, was I just, supposed to say anything else? Continue to give. No, your, no, no. I just continue to do your charitable giving at the year end. If you made yeah, some I money just, on that crypto this year, why don't you give some of it to uh, some charitable places? There you go. There you go. There, there's the Judah I was looking for. I just I didn't know that a, that a typo was going to be <laughs> your last word on the show. It's like Kornheiser. Uh, isn't it Kornheiser? No, it's uh, who, who says who cleans up their airs right before they go to their final thing, right? Isn't it Kornheiser? Oh, it is. I think it is PTI. No, maybe it is PTI. Yeah. Yeah. And Around the Horn does it, too, I believe. Right. Does Around the Horn still on television? I, I don't know. Listen, I haven't watched either of those shows in like 20 years. Speaking of which. <laughs> Somebody jumped on our mentions today to talk about how great IP bio was. And I have to imagine that if you were like me and you kept your Peacock premium subscription, that you are watching the shit out of AT- AP bio. So do it, friends. Absolutely. You know what wasn't good on Peacock? Uh, uh, the lost symbol, Dan Brown. That was fucking uh, terrible. Uh, yeah. I, I took your like, oh, that was a so-so episode recommendation. And I'm like, yep, I don't need to. I don't need to worry about that. If Josh uh, comes it was back, terrible. it's great. I, I saw a lot of people jumped in and said their wives are also watching trash Bravo shows that are also through Peacock. So my wife. Oh, yeah. That. And then one person said they were getting their husband caught up on Yellowstone. Seasons one through three apparently are available on Peacock. So there you go. They are. They are. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Keek wasn't too big on the uh, 
on the vacation. She thought that was kind of trash, like not trash, like in a good way, but like it's all just trash. <laughs> trash, trash. Like it was trash. Like she said, it was sucked. It wasn't good. She didn't like it. Well, and my wife, all, the way she, my wife was explaining it to me was they put all the the people that have been not kicked off the, all the other shows, but people have left all the other shows under like basically because they were drama people, and they put them all together on one vacation, which I think is hilarious. So Kenya from Atlanta must have been on that vacation because she was she was drama with a capital D. Oh yeah, yeah. I I think I ran, I walked into the room with her on an episode. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, God. Oh, another thing she, Carrie said sucked was the uh, it, I'm like, look at her like, no shit. Uh, was the uh, sex in the city thing. She said that was fucking terrible. She, she's like, they're so old. I'm like, no shit. They yeah. were fucking old when you <laughs> when they made the show. Watching it. Yeah. That's like the real highs of New York. It's the real grandmas or real, real senior citizens of New York with money. Or fake money. It's all bad. It's all trash. But she enjoy if that if she enjoys sitting in front of a television and and chilling out for a couple hours watching some trash TV. God bless her. Amen. I heard you. All right. Well, that's it for me. Um, yeah, not it's not hurting anybody. It's not hurting anybody. Uh, you know what doesn't hurt anybody either? Having more than one brand of T-shirt in your closet. Because not only should you have home field, uh, but those breaking T-shirts we got, them loyal shirts, they're hot. Them hoodies, they're hot. People are snatching them up. I can't wait to see uh, like 30, 40 people in a row wearing that thing at the bowl game. That'd be dope. You know uh, what also doesn't hurt? Leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts for your favorite podcast. It may be OFD. Absolutely. It may be Hit and Hustle. It may be uh, UHND. It could be anything. But it really is us. Yeah, it's us. <laughs> We love those other shows. <laughs> no, no. Like I, w- without without all the other shows, this show would not be near as fun. Yeah, of course. Because it's just you gotta you gotta have it all to to enjoy it all. So, um, yeah. So pay attention. One foot down throughout the week. If you if you're not a paid, oh, Bull Mania. Mania. Yep, Bull Mania. Get on that. Get your free get your free home field shirt if you win that all. There's lawyer words up there now. Um, <laughs> if you if you aren't uh, if you don't have a a paid subscription to one of the recruiting sites, hey, don't worry, we got you covered. You know, I'm I'm no Tom Loy, I, I am no Matt Freeman, or <laughs> but uh, uh, we'll definitely uh, do what we always do on signing day. Uh, we'll keep everybody up to date on what's happening, um, as well as some some insights, some analysis, and and all the good fun stuff. Uh, maybe there'll be a podcast. Maybe we'll do a spaces. On Wednesday and see how that goes. Uh, if you're not on Twitter, go follow at one foot down on Twitter. You never know when I'm going to show up. I might, I might start doing these like at 4 a.m. Like who the fuck is up right now? Let's, let's talk about, let's get pool weird. Tables. Let's talk about pool tables. Let's talk about the Christmas movie, eight, the eight bit Christmas movie we just watched last night. Oh, how was that? I was kind of curious about that. Pretty good. It's okay. the, the trailers make it seem like the greatest Christmas movie of all time. And it was not, but it was good. <laughs> okay. It, w- it was good. I won't give any spoilers, but it was good. Uh, we took the kids. There's a, there's a small town just north of here. It's bigger in Hicksville. It's Bryan, Ohio. And they always do a, a really nice Christmas thing up around their courthouse. 
uh, in the middle of town every, every year. Like this little village thing, and Santa's up there and all shit. So we took the kids uh, up there. Went to, I had some really good food uh, at this place called Cora's or some shit like that. Uh, but, dude, this Santa, like we got in line, and there's like three groups ahead of us. Like, all right, this is going to take no time. This wonderful man who may or may not have been completely hammered took like 10, 15 minutes with everybody that sat on his lap. And oh, there was wow. literally one group. There was one group ahead of us with like nine people. And it's cold as shit. And so Santa's like sitting in this like little shed thing. It's, it's really cool looking. It's got this heater in there. So it's warm in there. There's like nine, 10 adults that were just in this group. He spent like a, there's like a half hour going on in there. Like, what the fuck? I'll get, meanwhile, my kids are out here freezing. They got somebody dressed up as the Grinch stomping around all mad. And Dylan's like running after the Grinch trying to beat him up. <laughs> but this Santa literally took like all the time in the world with every person that you know went in there, which is really cool for the kids. But it's just like the line was so long. But it, it was a short line, but it just took forever. Uh, anyways, there's... It was something else. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so no, we we did that. We came back and uh, had like family movie night last night. And, I, and luckily, my wife was was cool enough because I was like, yeah, we're gonna do this, we'll do that. And you know, the Army Navy game was going on. I'm like, fuck, I want to watch that. But I'm like, all right. But then I get home and I and Notre Dame and Kentucky were still playing. And I'm like, gotta go into the office. She's like, are you ready to do this? I'm like. Yeah, yeah. She's like, how about we just, you know, start the movie at like eight o'clock? I'm like, oh, that's perfect. Thank you. <laughs> so was able to finish watching that because nobody else was doing the recap. Anyway, so then after that, watch the the eight bit movie. It's on uh, HBO. Um, uh, the Max, yeah. Max, yeah, the Max app, whatever. It's great. It's good. It's good. I I recommend it. So if you're a if you're our age, dude. I think you really appreciate it because it it does go back in that in the in the late eighties kind of time as a kid. Yeah. So it's fun. Cool. Makes a lot of sense. All right, I rambled on way longer than I wanted to, but uh, hey, that's us. So thanks again for listening, and as always, go Irish. <laughs>